Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 102. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello! It's time to talk about video games. Finally, we're back, video games. It feels like it's been 8,000 years <laughs> since we talked about a video game into a microphone. So we had a longer period between these last two episodes because we were like, disc releasing will take a while, so we'll give ourselves six weeks. And what a six weeks it has been! Yeah, the it's it it's not these six weeks, it's that it's these specific six weeks that has really done us a doozy. Um it, people probably listen to some of our other podcasts, you know that uh we're still just kind of doing our lives because I'm working from home and uh Jackson's, you know, same level of uh working on the podcast stuff. We're we we are unchained changed other than shopping is harder now. <laughs> yes, shopping is harder. Uh I continue to try to uh, harass the government to give me disability. I'm trying to use the fact that they're swamped. Maybe they can give me some more money. We'll see. Um, yeah, but they should give you. They should give you some more money. That's what I've been saying. But yeah, our, our lives are mostly unchanged, apart from the um, just the stress of getting food and stuff. So we will not yeah. be complaining too much about it. Uh, because yeah, you know, we all of our friends are retail workers. They're the ones who are actually yeah. You know, I have I have we have friends who work in like doctors' offices. And, yeah. We have friends who work in grocery stores. Like they are the ones who are uh, going through it. I mean, we have friends who work at like you know Starbucks that is closed. That sucks. Yeah. So uh, would be in bad taste to be like, oh, I'm stuck at home. Woe betide me. Um, I mean, I'll do it on, like, my private Twitter, but I'm not going to do it here. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, you know, complaining about our not-very-bad lot in life is a thing to do. You just got to have have some sense of decorum about it. Yes. Uh, so that's the extent of uh, COVID posting on this podcast. That's it for us. Jackson, what have you been playing? I've been playing Kingdom Hearts Recoded. <laughs> I'm back on the train. T- tell me about... Kingdom Hearts Recoded. What is Kingdom Hearts Recoded? So, Kingdom Hearts Recoded is a game in which you replay the events of Kingdom Hearts 1 um, oh, uh, again. Oh, weird. Again. They did it <laughs> I again. I can't believe there's a half dozen of those. <laughs> uh, I have played six Kingdom Hearts games, and half of them have been Kingdom Hearts 1. Oh, God. Uh, that's. I guess that's not true. I didn't actually play Chain of Memories because I'd rather cut my arm off. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, but I did watch all of it. Uh, so yes, it is the sixth Kingdom Hearts game. It came out after Birth by Sleep. It is a remake of a cell phone game from Japan. Um, it is a light sequel to Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, where you play as uh, Data Sora, uh, who is like a Sora that doesn't exist um, because he's been made up by a computer as they basically scan Jiminy's journal into a computer and it's been corrupted and now they have made a fake Sora to go through the plot of Kingdom Hearts 1 again with weird data fragments and uncover who hacked Jiminy's journal. Um, mm, great. Uh, and uh, I- I've been enjoying it. The story's whatever because it's a cell phone game about uh, hacking Jiminy's journal. Um, yes. But the the game part is good. I, I like Kingdom Hearts games. I like playing them. That is where my... Uh, surprise has been in with this franchise in this journey is that i just kind of like the the action rpg stuff i think it's very well done i really like the command deck in these later games um and i've been having a good time bit of a weird decision to uh one take out the camera control on the lnr buttons from 358 over two days and two uh put a heavier focus on platforming than any other kingdom hearts game on a ds game with no camera control that is not great thanks for that (laughs) 
Oh, uh, you're going to become a platforming expert by the time you're done with this. <sighs> so, like, the data hacking is represented in, like, square blocks that have, uh, it, like, invaded every world. And these blocks create patterns to do, like, like um, platforming challenges where treasure boxes are at the end of them. And if you want to have the most upgraded sorrow, you're going to have to do these treasure boxes because your data, like, sphere grid level up systems weird and you need to make sure you have enough items to level yourself up um and so i'm just doing so much really slow platforming like one jump recenter the camera behind myself move only forward next jump but not too fast because if you jump too much you'll go you'll overshoot it so i can't use any of my far jump powers even though i have them they're just not precise enough that stuff's weird platforming in kingdom hearts games is always atrocious <laughs> Uh, it's like some of the worst stuff in video games. It's amazing. It's kind of endearing how bad the platforming in Kingdom Hearts is and has been for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm back at it. Uh, I completed my Final Fantasy VII journey, but don't have anything to say on this podcast. All the compilation stuff is bad. Uh, yeah, we covered that on VoIP Life, which uh, I think both those episodes you can just get for a dollar. Like one of them is free and one of them is a dollar if you want to pledge to the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, um, Normally, that's an expensive podcast, I understand. But, you know, if you've got a dollar to kick our way, we'll uh, we'll give you some content of Jackson telling you which of the games of the Final Fantasy VII compilation is good, and the answer may surprise you. I, I just said it. It's none of them. Uh, There's one that you said was the best. Yes, but it, I wouldn't say it was good. Yeah, fair but enough. I will leave that um, as a cliffhanger, I guess. It wasn't the one I thought it was. No. Nope. Uh, well, I guess everyone knows what it was Because now. it was episode Denzel. <laughs> I still haven't watched episode Denzel. Yep. Uh, I have it on my Plex server, but I just haven't. You know, you never get the urge to like, oh, I should watch episode Denzel right now. Who's going to think that? Not me. I mean, I literally spent all week thinking that I should uh, watch Kingsglaive and then play Final Fantasy XV. And instead, I bought Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> Uh, it's fine. So we had an, I had an episode with uh, our friend Six last last year, two years ago. I don't three know how long years ago. ago. It was I Are think January twenty seventeen. That can't be true. You have to look this up. Well, so I know it was twenty seventeen because uh, it came in twenty eighteen, I guess. But I was definitely I'm pretty sure it's twenty eighteen. It has to be twenty eighteen, or I'm going to turn to dust on this microphone. <laughs> I, I was definitely in the flat then, so it couldn't have been any later than April twenty eighteen. Please uh, look it up. I'm looking it up right now. Um. Going to the archive. It takes a while. I guess I should go to Games Covered, actually. You could have uh, just Googled it and would have gotten it. Oh, there. right, because Google archives our site. Uh, Fire Emblem Awakening. Abnormal mapping. Let's see. Okay, 25th of February 2018, not 2017. Okay, because I was going to turn to dust. I was like, it has to have been two years ago. There's no way it was three. Because um, my brain wants to say it was a year ago, but I know that's not true, so... Yeah, I still think it's only been a year since I moved up here. <laughs> yeah. No, it has definitely um, been Anyway, uh, that episode, I was not super keen on Fire Emblem Awakening. Uh, I thought that the story was kind of bad, and, um, you know, I just don't vibe with Fire Emblem. But everyone's been talking about uh, Three Houses in a way that they have not talked about any game since Awakening. Um, 
And I kind of was like interested in like the houses, the house stuff. Cause I know there's a lot of discourse around like all oh, the politics of the houses. And we have a Gundam podcast on our network. We like some anime bullshit politics yeah, and ideology. So I was like, I should wait in and see what this is about. So I did because, uh, you know, working from home means that you get very restless and, uh, there's no stores open. So you have to make all of your impulse purchases digitally. And this is what happened to me anyway. Um, it's fine. The Fire Emblem is uh, not great because I don't like tactics games. Uh, fucking I, true. I know there are many people listening to this podcast that would love it if we covered like Final Fantasy Tactics or something. I don't think that's ever going to happen because I don't like these types of games. I'm bad at them. I find them hard to parse. <laughs> the um, podcast would be bad. We'd just be going, who likes tactic games? And all the people who asked us for it would be like, oh, and it's nothing to do with the games. We just, we just have never really clicked with tactics. Yeah, if you're if you're okay with us watching a video of the story of War of the Lions, we'll cover War of the Lions. Yeah, that is more likely. Because <laughs> I know it's like a linear game. It's not like there's branching paths. I could just watch the the game the story and we could talk about it. Because uh, I know that's the thing people care about. Uh, I can tell you right now, I just don't care about the game. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Anyway, um, but the part where you're running around a giant school, uh, you know, social linking with your students and just kind of hanging out. That part is great. There's like a fishing mini game. There's a, there's a gardening mini game. You, you make meals and have dinners and go to choir practice and just a bunch of cool little things. Like that part is great. Uh, if they could just get rid of the part where you have to play Fire Emblem and just make the, the hangout day, uh, where it ends up being like this, like giant cast of characters version of like long live the queen or something. That would be great. Yeah, like, you you looked into a movie version of this, but because of how branching it is, it just doesn't work. Yeah, um, it was, it would have been, it, like, it was, like, nine hours per route, and it would be a lot of reading uh, on YouTube, which is not really what I want to do when I'm, like, I like digesting games uh, through videos, but I, it, it's much easier when the games talk to you. Yes. Um, I could have done it, but as, like, a thing I did idly while I played the other game I'm about to talk about, it wouldn't have worked, because I need to look at the screen. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but like, if this game just had a mode where you didn't go in battles, you would, yeah, you would be eat up. It'd be like 30 hours less long. Yeah. Um, at yeah. least, honestly. I don't know how, I don't know what the ratio of battles to walking around the school yeah, is. Yeah, you, you could just randomly level people up and randomly assign social links. I don't really care. Uh, support skills, sorry, not social links. Gotta use the proper terminology. Anyway, um... And the reason that I was thinking, looking for things to watch on YouTube is because I've gotten really into Animal Crossing yeah. New Horizons, which, uh, I, you know, I feel like everyone knows that I really like Animal Crossing. It's probably my favorite thing that Nintendo does. Um, and the new one is interesting. Um, you know, this is on Switch, and this as after the surprising success of Pocket Camp, despite the fact that it's kind of a bad game. Um, and so it brought in a lot of new people who were new to Animal Crossing. And so they folded some ideas from Pocket Camp into the game, which doesn't mean microtransactions or anything, um, or like big timers. They didn't go that far, thank God. But it does mean that the game starts really, really slow with you having very few tools and the game feeling very limited compared to the starting state of every other Animal Crossing, where you're like, it's just, there's like two villagers and Nook's not really set up the right way. And there's no museum and it just feels very like, you know, anemic. And then over the course of the first week, uh, it begins to unfold to the initial state of an Animal Crossing. By the end of the first week, if you're like playing, you know, like an hour a day and getting the stuff that's directly in front of you to do done, you will have five villagers and a museum and a shop and all the things you would expect from Animal Crossing. And, uh, it's weird. 
it's weird that things like the soundtrack take a week to show up. <laughs> yes, I didn't realize that until you finish the first week, you just have that one uh, intolerable guitar. I mean, it's not intolerable, but it is after ten hours of it. Yeah, one guitar every, track. Yes, it was. It was. Yes, it was. It's fine, but you get really sick of it really fast. And yeah, the full like Animal Crossing every hour is a different song does not unlock until you upgrade resident services, which takes about a week of play. Um, not you don't have to be like super diligent. You do have to like do the goals they give you. Um, and but. Uh, yeah, then you get resin services, and it feels like the game is like the Animal Crossing start point that I wanted. But also because I've played a lot of these now, my house is almost entirely paid off. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, it's weird to be at a starting point where like some things just feel like they're getting started. Like I just put down Able Sisters today, and then I'll be able to you know shop for clothes tomorrow. I'm really excited about that. Uh, and then also like I'm gonna expand my basement tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, partially that was because of a very nice identification glitch that Nintendo did not patch out, uh, immediately. So I got some extra bells, um, which you could no longer do, but you know, um, it's weird. The, the curves on progression feel very off, but I, I know this is a game where they're going to put out like updates every month, every other month that are like the holiday characters, probably plus some extra furniture, probably some extra stuff to do. Like I expect they, because pocket camp was also like this at the end you know, changing this game to an entirely new engine and whatnot. It was probably difficult. Putting all of the objects everywhere on the island is probably a non-trivial task in terms of, like, making a video game. Yes. Um. So I assume, like, a lot of stuff that isn't in the game, like, Brewster's not in the game. Uh, you just can't go get coffee. And I'm like, what? what, what is this? But I assume at some point they will add Brewster and it'll be in an update and it'll be great. Um. So yeah, I expect that the long like the long tail will be bigger because you know the 3DS version didn't really have DLC in that way. They put one out years later that was really like a significant expansion, and I assume that stuff will be like smaller ones every month uh, for like the first year, and then it will feel pretty big and busy. Um, you know, being there on the first day of an, uh, like a new expansion sounds very exciting for Animal Crossing. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited again, and I didn't play this week. Uh, I got stuck up on my town name, and then um, just was doing now other you know things. you got your name. So. I got my name, which I'm now mad at myself for not getting in a second. Yeah, <laughs> but um, uh, I I thought about I thought about thirty seconds to get my name. So yeah, that's the right way to do it. But I'm I'm gonna be a week behind everyone. Which um, having seen Twitter, I think it's better than being a day behind everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of people start at midnight when the game unlocked, which technically is a day earlier because Animal Crossing days start at five a.m. And so in that first week, when the difference between day two and day three is like really significant, everyone posting on Twitter that they have the museum and you don't feels like garbage. Um, Twitter, I feel like Twitter made the like early parts of this game really intolerable and is going to make the long tail really good. Um, because then you get to see all of people's really unique towns and interactions and houses and stuff. But right now it just means that someone's showing you some shit you couldn't get if you wanted it. Um, yeah. And that's going to go away, I think. And, but the first week it was, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of rough. Even me who like knew this was, this would shake out and like it doesn't matter because I'm playing this game for a year. Um, it was like, man, I wish I had the museum today, but I don't. It's under construction today. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like not ideal uh, with how these things are handled. Yeah. Um, but more um, of like a result of like, what, how do you fix that, right? Like it, Twitter is Twitter. 
you can't just yeah. tell people not to post things. Like, yeah, like the the solution is you can't take footage of the first week, and that's that's ridiculous. This isn't Square Enix. You can't do that. <laughs> God, can you imagine? <laughs> I, I wouldn't want them to do that. It, that's horrible. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Uh, this is exacerbated by everyone being at home, right? Like, yes. it would have been fine if this was just a game that came out while <laughs> everyone was busy and some people... Like, some people would have done, the, like, you know, poop-socked Animal Crossing like you always do, but... <laughs> yes, they would. I would, uh, I would not... Uh, I, think the, I think the tenor and the, like, fervor around it would have been less if people were just busy with other stuff. Like, this is the thing people are dropping their anxiety into, right? Like, yes. it just exacerbates every problem. Oh, it definitely exacerbates it, but I think the, like, discourse would have still happened. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I just don't think it would have been as, like, ubiquitously, like... It was bad. Uh, like, people were, like, yelling about how time travelers are destroying the sanctity of Animal Crossing, a game defined by do whatever you want. <laughs> It is a game there's where no, you run There's around. no concrete goals. Just make the town, like, enjoy your life. Uh, yes. <laughs> it was if, the, if, if you enjoying Animal Crossing means that you are going to time travel and do whatever and create, like, a huge big town way too fast, and uh, that's just how you play the game because you don't have you, the life where you can spend, like, a year building up your town, do it. I don't care. Live your life. Post pictures. I hope it looks cool. Um People typing in Motherload like people... in The Sims are destroying the sanctity of The Sims, and they're posting yeah. screenshots of their houses while I'm working my painter j- job. How dare they? Yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, we're pro-cheating anyway here at Abnormal Mapping, but yes. um, Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing. It's not like it's not the same thing as like getting mad at snakers in Mario Kart DS. That sucked because I didn't want a snake because it wasn't fun and it just made the game hard, like impossible to play online. Um, which is fine. I just didn't play it online, but I was sad about it. Um, yeah, now it's like who who's playing Mario Kart online except ridiculous people who know how to snake. Well, you can't snake as much in future games, and DS is offline, so you know. Problem solved. You can still kind of. Sn- I guess it was like out no, of control. No, it it's not the same. You cannot play the game like that uh, now. Everyone was just driving sideways. Yes, yeah, so everyone was just like uh, you know S curves all the way around. It was a mess. Um, but you know, outside of situations like that where the cheating is actively harming a competitive game, who cares? Who cares? That's all I've got. Playing video games. Yeah, no, that's where I am as well. Going to play some Animal Crossing this week. Yeah, I'm gonna play some remake next week. Um, we I did I think I mentioned that I had tentative plans to do like a podcast about it. Not with M because M is living a good life and not playing the seven. I'm remake. not playing Fantasy Seven Remake. Are you kidding me? No, exactly. Uh, do you see how uh, racist they made Barrett sound? Yeah, yes, yes, I did because I've been sending this to you for months. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've watched videos. Like I'm aware of the game. I've seen the demo played multiple times, and no, I'm not gonna play that. I'm gonna hopefully like Chip and Ironicus will let's play it. So I can watch them play it. There's a, there's amazing video uh, that Square Enix have put out because um, they're putting out these videos series and talking about like oh here's how we've built Midgar up and it's all interviews with the with the people and there's this incredible bit where Nojiba is talking about Cloud and he's like in this game uh, unlike you might remember as Cloud as a cool hero I, I have tried to emphasize Cloud as a slightly uncool person and his like attempts at being cool are more of a front. I hope fans will accept this. That's just that, that's just that's just what happens in Final Fantasy Seven. That's the problem. I'm begging you. I'm begging the fans to accept the themes of the game. Please, please don't hate us for understanding Final Fantasy Seven. Um, 
This is, this is the inevitable result of the death pack that fans and Square Enix have been in for 20 years. Uh, what a disaster. But yes, uh, that plan is up in the air based on just uh, availability and how stuff is in the world. Don't know if that podcast will come out how it was intended to, but if it does, look forward to it. If it doesn't, you know, don't mind. Uh, but I would like to cover it. I will probably stream some of it. Like, not all of it, but, uh, you know, I've got I've got a... Before this all happened, I bought uh, this gaming headset that I can stream from my PS4 on. So I'll probably do a little bit of that if anyone's interested. Okay. Um, but it won't be like a formalized Let's Play or anything, because that's not how Twitch works. No. But that is, I think, all of the... Um, <laughs> putting it off we can do we've got a game club Our game club this month is Disco Elysium, which is a role-playing game uh, developed uh, and published by Zalm. Is that right? Is that how you say that? Zalm? Z-A slash U-M. Zalm. I would probably say it like that, but it might just be Z-A-U-M. It came out uh, in October of 2019, uh, and it was written by uh, Robert uh, Kurvitz, who is an Estonian novelist uh, and is... You know, a CRPG classic style made to look like the Infinity Engine, but is a game that is focused on non-combat situations entirely. There is no combat mechanic, and everything is derived out of your stats uh, to a degree that you usually don't see even in this like small subset of the genre. Um, Jackson, do you want to talk a bit about the plot of Disco Elysium? Yes, yeah, so the plot of Disco Elysium is you play a cop who wakes up uh, in a trashed room and does not remember anything and in keeping with traditions of this game you know uh, this genre remember Planescape Torment uh, it is about trying to figure out who you are uh, and who you are is a detective who has been sent uh, to this part of town this part of Martinez um, uh, to solve a murder there is a hanged man behind the like uh, bar the cafeteria you're staying in and uh, he uh, has been killed, and you have to find out find out why. And it leads you into a like uh, dispute between striking workers uh, of the uh, like dock union that is the local power around here, um, and the corporation who has sent in like negotiators uh, and uh, like agitators to try to uh, end this strike. Um, and the uh, the murdered man is, of course, uh, a like. Um, private security operative who has been sent in by the corporation and so that political tensions are high as you must navigate all sides to figure out the murder um as you go through the game you figure out who you are you are harry dubois uh a detective of the rcm which is uh the revachal citizens militia 
Um, we'll get into the world building stuff later, but that's that's who you are. You are going through this with your partner Kim Kitsuragi, uh, who is a from another precinct. You've both been assigned to this murder because there is a political argument as to whose district this is, because no one wants to deal with it. And together, uh, you solve this murder. You investigate uh, the the company, you investigate the union, uh, you team up with, uh, I guess, who you want to team up with, but you probably team up with the Hardy Boys a little bit. Uh, they are the enforcer group of the Union, um, and you try to work out what's going on. And eventually, uh, after a lot of, like, you know, a lot of, uh, there's so many different, like, subplots you can go through, uh, you figure out that the shot that killed this guy, the, the lynching was a fake, um, he was shot on the back of the head, and they covered it up by pretending it was a hanging. The shot came from an island uh, on the other side of the map, and you go there with Kim, and you find um, a uh, just an old soldier from the communist failed communist revolution uh, in the world building of this world. Uh, there was a communist revolution in this part of the world, uh, and it was crushed uh, when the moralists basically sold them out. And now uh, this part of the world is like maintained by a international coalition. Uh, UN type analog in a perpetual state of uh, like economic, um, I don't know what the word is, purgatory, uh, constantly under evaluation forever it will become a real state. Um, and you find this, this, uh, oh, the IMF yes, showed up. Yes, the IMF showed up. <laughs> we'll get into that. The world, like, barely even contained metaphors. Uh, and the the man who killed him was just a really angry communist uh stuck on this island for years uh yeah definitely like kind of like world war ii japanese survivor type you know uh occasionally firing off shots into the city to like satiate his own anger and many different like things tied up in it but that's basically the plot and then you you figure that out and then if you did the right thing in some side quests you then see a plasmid to the left of you um the, Which is just a, a big giant stick bug. Just a big giant stick bug that shouldn't exist. And you're like, well, that's weird. Uh, and then you go back and you find your old team. And based on how you've played in the game, uh, the game ends with, like, do you go back to the precinct? Do you leave forever? What happens with Kim? A whole, a whole bunch of, like, stuff is resolved, but in a very, like, here's a long string of text to resolve it. Do you do, like, you come off the island, the game ends. Uh, it's a fairly small story in summary. Uh, the depth and breadth of it comes from all the many, many different things you can do while exploring um, Martinez. Yeah. Um, we're not going to run down every side quest and every little bit of the plot. I feel like if you want to do that, uh, supplemental material, someone did all this heavy lifting for us. You can go listen to the Waypoint Radio a Disco Elysium spoiler cast, yes. uh, which is very good. Um, it came out, uh, let's see, it was uh, January? January? Yes. No, February? Yeah, uh, 10 weeks ago, I guess that'd be January. Um, and it's just called Bonus Disco Elysium Spoiler Cast, and it's Austin and Patrick and Cato talking through the game. Um, they cover a lot of stuff that, like, I think we would just cover the same way, and so I don't want to, like, duplicate a lot of content when most people listen to us, probably listen to Waypoint Radio, and you should go listen to that episode. Um, we'll cover some of it for sure, but, you know, uh, understand that we're operating in the conversation of a modern game, so I don't feel the need to be exhaustive about every yes. corner of this world, especially since we have uh, certain takes I think are going to take us a little far afield from, like, this is the subplot where you did this thing. <laughs> uh, also, uh, their podcast is three hours long. I imagine this will be about an hour. Um, because yeah. that's kind of more condensed discussions is how yeah. we kind of do things. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't. So yeah. uh, for for the one, I you know, 
Uh, Austin's a friend, uh, and it's it's worth pointing at someone else's work and saying, you could listen to someone cover this more exhaustively than we can. Let's do the thing that we're good at. So yes. that's what we're going to do. That is exactly what we're going to do. Uh, okay, so we need to talk a bit about the world of Disco Elysium before we can even talk about how we felt about it. <laughs> so there's a hole in the world. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, first things, the communists took over this place, right? And then yes. uh, the, like, you know, center-left and the centrists all... T- and you know, the right center all teamed up to crush the communists because uh, they were all scared of it. <laughs> yes. Like this is basically the set was, so it was at one point, like an, a center of the world in terms of an imperialistic, cause they had like, they had a King. Um, yeah. It was an imperialistic nation in, in Europe in like not real Europe. Cause the world is, um, isn't said in the real world. It's said in, uh, like all of the world is fake and uh, you know done in world building, but definitely drawing from Europe because it is a game made in Eastern Europe um, and about communist revolutions that have been failed and been crushed. It's about very direct things. Uh, so communists took that over, destroyed the monarchy. Uh, this became like the stronghold of communism in like a revolutionary war. And then when the like coalition of people supporting that started to fracture and uh, the moralists specifically sided with the center right and centrists and um, the, you know, anyone who wasn't like willing to support the communists. So everyone from the centers of the fascists uh, just rolled in and destroyed them. And yeah. Now it is 50 years later. What, 30 years later? I don't actually know exactly how many... Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since I played it, but it is, I believe, f- 50 or so years later. Yeah. Um, We're, everyone is interacting is in the generation after the fall of... Yes. The, the people you mostly meet do not remember what it was like um, under co- either communism or the monarchy. Um, yeah. There's a couple no one remembers the monarchy. Back. No, no. No, yeah. Uh, so... So they're is... like royalists, but they're like ideologically royalists, basically. They're, I think they're that one old man playing the the like croquet game in the park remembers the royalty, and that's it. Yeah, he fought in the war. Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, so all of that's going on, but also there's a hole in the world. Um, be- yeah. Because... So, the, the thing in this game is a thing called the Pale, which is like a creeping so cool. existential nothingness that is drifting around the world. And like cities and like human centers basically are like islands in a, in a mist. And mist is in like a, like a, you know, metaphysical sense. Um, because what's in the pale is no one's quite sure. It seems like it might be nothing, but also you can travel through it without too much damage. Uh, sometimes, like people who like people who ship goods or travel, uh, get exposed to the pale and have to wear basically like radiation tags for pale exposure. And too much pale will just like rob you of your memories, give you someone else's memories, make you feel detached from time, all sorts of weird nebulous stuff. Uh, and no one's quite sure where it came from, whether it's this is like the actual end of the world or not. Um, if this is just like a, a thing of the world, did someone do something to cause this? Is this like actual magic? Who can say? No one knows. Uh, except the plasmid, who suggests maybe humans caused it by just existing. Uh, we probably did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like the the game itself operates on a sort of like you know, geopolitical and philosophical realism. Um, 
you know, characters walking around solving murders and talking about their politics. And then on the edges is this magical thing that you can learn about and interact with slightly that just seems like weird. And it's like, oh, like this is gesturing at a weird thing. And then at the end of the game, the, the giant stick bug sh- walks up to you and says, a humans have caused this. <laughs> yep. Please get over your girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Who is God? Yes. Well, you've made her God. She's not actually God. Yes. Uh, but, you know, the, the game is about the way those things become intertwined. Yes, for sure. Uh, and so that stuff is uh, interesting. Uh, the g- game does not dwell on that too much. Like, weird stuff in that g- in this game, content-wise, is like 5%. It's just a big 5%. <laughs> um, yeah. Once you, like, figure it out, it really puts a shadow over everything else. But the game is about people in a sad city trying to live their lives. Yes. Uh, so what do you want to start when we get like talk? What, what did you think about it? What was your like initial reaction? Um, so I think the thing and the Waypoint Radio, I think, talks about this, but the game comes off really bad in the first like two hours. Um, in that, like, I and I knew this was going to be the case. Like, it puts the most some of the most abrasive characters up front. It puts you in a weird, like, off foot situation where everyone's yelling at you and you don't know why and you don't have the tools to apologize or make amends, which is the thing that I think most gamers, when a character yells at you, will do. Or yeah, I think that's just people. Someone's yelling at you that you fucked up. You're going to probably apologize. Yes. <laughs> um, and you can't because your character is a fuck up and you can't remember what you did wrong in the first place. And no one's accepting half-hearted, like, well, whatever it was, I'm sorry. Uh, because the, the, the writing on that part is good. Uh, and then you find characters who just yell, like, epithets at you and are just shitty. Like, there's these, this shitty kid named Kuno who just treats you like dirt and he's, like, gross and homophobic and nasty. And then you go talk to, like, the 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 guy guarding the strike door and he's like would you like to learn race science and i'm like no i would not like to learn race science please he's like well i'm not letting you through until you learn race science and it's just like a two month it's like if you were not disposed to give this game a chance i would uh, and like if i didn't know that my friends liked it and suggested it i would be very off put by this stuff because Mm -hmm. it feels uh edgy like deliberately in a way to like talk like this is the real shit all those other games bioworld just point at this shit but we're gonna get into it and I don't need a game that does that. I just don't. <laughs> Not in this way. Right, yeah. And like Um but the, oh, go ahead. the game ultimately reveals that I think to be purposeful. Um mm-hmm. but definitely as a as a like a first foot forward, right? It's like um abrasive and um you know, like the first the first thing you are gonna have to do as in this game, possibly, depending on the order in which you talk to people, is talk to Kuno and possibly punch him in the face. Um, or yeah. pull a gun on him, and I didn't. I didn't punch him in the face, but I did try to shoot him. <laughs> right, and I I didn't do either because I'm like, this is a fucking kid. It's like my first conversation in the game. I'm not gonna pull a gun on a child. And the the world is obviously like, well, this child doesn't respect you, and now you suck. You have not established power. You are nothing to him. And yeah, you're 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 a cop, and you can't even bully a kid, and the kid knows it. So what right. good are you? So like, in in some ways, it's like pulling on you to get over this sense of uh i can harmlessly be a cop in a video game right like you can be commander shepherd and be a like agent of the state destroying literally every place you come across but be nice and polite to all people at all times always because they've always accounted for that possibility. Um, Using your status as a secret police agent to get discounts at a store that you're advocating people shop at is a neutral act in Mass Effect. <laughs> right! That that doesn't... It doesn't fuck you over when you do it at different stores! Yeah. 
Uh, and so the game like assumes you will come into this with these kinds of expectations and immediately and deliberately like throws uh throws you to the wolves a little bit for coming in with yeah no it, it definitely it definitely like indulges in like emasculation in a way that is like important for the genre because so many of these games are about the cool cop who's going to come in and solve everyone's problems yes. um i just like I like for me, I'm like okay, yeah, I get that. I need to get to the thing past that. And once I push past it, I like that was much better. Like once you first get the body down, and then you just you and Kim calmly stand in this freezing field and perform an autopsy. That's the fucking coolest shit in the world. Yes, uh, because look, I, there were a lot of people before this came out being like, I don't know, it's about cops, and right. But the problem with us. Uh, problems wrong with us, but the thing about us is that we love cop shit, and we got to admit this to ourselves. Cop fiction is good. Uh, the thing I've been trying to think about this because we talk about cops a lot on uh, Great Gun and Project because we're we're talking about Ghost of Shell and we watch Pat Labor, and um, it's just like it creates a narrative world in which the characters are beleaguered with their ability to affect just enough change to fuck things up. Yes, <laughs> and that's really compelling to me. <laughs> Uh, like no, a cop can't change the world, but it, a cop can possibly, rarely help someone in fiction, uh, but mostly just ruin people's lives and their own. Yeah, uh, and so like <laughs> that the- is like the heart of cop fiction. It, it's the, it's the heart of like actual cops in real life. You know, like uh, technically, you know, a cop could be running a soup kitchen. They're not. They're arresting people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And so I think that this like this game situated itself well in that genre because there are there's a lot of like uh, th- I mean this is an explicitly communist game but um there is a lot of leftist uh aligned fiction about cops right because it is a e- the genre is a lens into how state power operates that uh people understand the like signifiers of that um, mm-hmm. and so it's very easy to write uh something subversive within that form even if the form is still saying things about how it is cool. Like th- this, this game is included in that, right? It's still cool to be the cop in some situations. Yeah. And the game also takes like a very broad, like there's a broader question. The game like talks about, but doesn't like, is not explicitly the point of the plot of like, what does authority look like in terms of like managing community? Yes. Cause the RCM are like, they're the cops, but also they exist in this weird place where they're, uh, they're operating in a city that kind of like, community sourced them to exist and they're not the same as the cops from like the big cities and the big governments because those are like actual ass cops um and the game draws a big distinction between them uh the rcm the you know the corporate mercenaries who are like part like ex-military guys like they're like you know they are the closest to like real cops in the real world i feel like is the mercenary group um and then there's uh the hardy boys who are just like the heavies for the union who want to be like the community, like lowercase p police of the neighborhood. Like they want to make sure that they can handle everything in inner community wise, uh, talk through problems, get people squared away. They're not good at it because they've not had the opportunity to do it. Um, and in fact, you walk in on them fucking up something royally, but, um, <laughs> yes. uh, growing pains exist and they, they, like they want to do good by the people of their community. And what that looks like is like a little rough and tumble and a little messy. But uh, I think that's like the point, like so much of Disco Elysium is 
offering the like grace to admit that like change is going to be imperfect and difficult and messy and involves people and like situations that are not ideal and not great. And you just like, you have to hold to your belief that if you stand by your values and do the best you can, uh, that's all anyone can ask of anyone. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like the, the game is definitely very messy about what, like a good person looks like right like all the union people yes. suck in ways that we'll we'll really get into when we talk about everett's um whether they like to do you know there's a there's a uh thing that a lot of these games do where the you have the binary between here's your union contact and here's uh your uh, company contact or whatever binary is in the game and this definitely is as feels its most traditional rpg when you go to uh meet the union guy and he believes in his version of democratic socialism and every time you do like an empathy check on him you can tell he's telling the truth he genuinely does care about that but also he fucking sucks and not necessarily in interesting ways he just in addition to earnestly caring about things he sucks because you know he's fat and greedy and that's bad yeah (laughs) so there's so everett claire is leader of the union and his thing is that yeah he believes in what he's talking about he wants to create like a like left-leaning he's he's not like a hardline communist or anything he's uh left-leaning like he wants to help the people but he really wants to do that by like building a community center and making sure that like the poor people are housed under his buildings and not their like fish hovels that they've lived in for generations that they're perfectly happy in uh they don't want you to just go and gentrify the uh, the neighborhood for them thanks um and so like you have to be willing to like understand because like the the game does not present his ideas as bad you have to believe that they're bad inherently yes um and they are they're bad uh he's the best they got right now but they're bad uh because you know you could have had a better union leader maybe but uh, that person got shot 20 years ago or whatever (laughs) yep um anyway um and but also the game like has him like because of this the game depicts him as like this like decadent corrupt guy who's you know he's decadent corrupt a because the game tells you but also because he's fat and the game points at him being fat as like a moral failing uh because he just indulges too much which is a a weird like old-timey like hard leftist thing that i i it, like exists in communities but i think is like like one it feels very out of date and two it feels very like i don't know like calling it like oh yes knowing this game's from east europe makes sense why they did this but it, it does feel like that kind of <laughs> it's one of the mo- like the way the game treats fatness is one of the most repellent things in the game because it is with multiple characters and it is always a symbol of someone's failings and someone's yes. like uh decadence or inability to be a good worker yeah. like there's a, one of the hardy boys yeah. is fat um, there's definitely there's definitely a trend in like old fashioned communism that is like people who like have vices or are fat or whatever are not doing the proper responsibility for society for taking care of themselves so they can be the best contributing member, uh, which is gross. It's fucking gross. And like it makes sense in a world where right like before uh industrialized food production uh yeah everyone in the, the, f- the problem is is that uh, the food we eat makes us fat because no one can afford good food right like, or time to cook it in the, the, the last century or so has completely reversed like visions of health and like yes. decadence because now decadence yeah. looks like the most like the ability and the resources to have the nicest food to be have the best personal trainers to you know look like that uh and it is not as if all the people in the palace are fat because they are feasting every day and the rest of us are starving and like skeletons uh which yeah. 
Uh, like I understand how they get here because it's definitely pulling on those traditions. Um, yeah, this is like this is like the inversion of tanning is like a cultural thing. Like right. people who are tan are people with the luxury to be able to do that, unless you're like a like an outdoor laborer. And it used to be that that was not the case, right? Like people, like common people were tan. Yes, uh, and so the game does not necessarily because it is so deliberate in its like harkening back to old european like traditions of literature in what it's saying about uh politics um sometimes especially in uh, the way of trace fatness and, and some other stuff as well is uh frustrating um but i don't think yes. it like tips the game e- like completely over even if i was a bit it is worth knowing it. going in that there's some real gross stuff around everett being fat and other care like whenever fatness comes up it is always really negative it's the worst part of the game absolutely bar none yes because there's there's other nastiness in the game um, but for the most part, even if it doesn't like land, that nastiness is meant to be like framed as bad in its presentation in a way that I do not get. Like you are meant to be upset by seeing Everett living like this, overflowing with fat in his chair. Like it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah. In addition to that, like him with the community center thing, right, is like a clear parallel to the like state led. Um, here's how we will modernize things right like uh we will modernize this area we will build some new community center and then everyone loses their homes um and even in his like bad plan which does suck it is like ruining these people this these people's village his plan is like not to kick anyone out but to be careless in the production that everyone just leaves the village anyway and then the people Mm. remaining will live in his his uh under his system and the people who leave will not no longer be a problem Um, yeah but it that is definitely so what did you do with that plot with that plot line did you end up going through and getting the signatures or did you forge them i got got the signatures i also got i also got the signatures because my the thing is the thing is that like it's it's bad um but one uh i needed to deal with the problem but also like it was a less bad in the situation like he, he, the thing he wants to convert is like literally a bombed out building, right? There's, right. N- it's, it, there's nothing, there's a blight there and some people who really need like some rehab programs. <laughs> yeah, the, but the, the game operates in, in abstraction, right? Like, so when you see three people in two houses, I, I feel like it's meant to represent a whole district. Oh, sure. But um, like the, like the area he's talking about building in is like literally a bombed out house and three yes. guys who are just like, like they are nearly dead drunk. They're incoherent how like wasted they are. Th- there is uh, one old woman who is like the uh, matriarch of this like little village and mm-hmm. um, she is the biggest holdout. Uh, yeah. There's. There's the net maker who's yes. like just like a tough lady who I think will be fine regardless of what happens. Yeah, because you convince her first, basically, that we should go ahead with this community center. It'll suck while it's built, but look at where you're living. Everyone leaves. Like, yeah, and she and she has like two kids. And she's like, yeah, no, like I want to do it for my kids. Uh, I wa- like it's going. It's not like ideal, but it's better than this. We're just gonna have this forever, and my kids are gonna move away, and there'll be nothing here, and I will just be like, you know, the old lady sitting there with no one around. Yeah, and so like I feel like the question in that side quest becomes right. Like, when is uh you know new development um where's the line with new development being inherently bad right like um Mm -hmm. because this isn't a corporation coming in and kicking everyone out and then selling the houses to new people explicitly um Mm -hmm. he's not going to be moving his own people to this area uh this is 
earnestly, and the, the stats will literally tell you this, this is meant to improve things because he wants the entire bay to be, like, a nice place under the control of the Union and not have, yeah. like, a bombed-out fishing village there. Um, yeah. And that village is, like... It doesn't get into it much, but it, it doesn't imply to me that the village is this, like, long-time... You know, th- these people have lived there all their lives necessarily, but it's not uh, land belonging to a people that is being intruded upon. It is bombed out because of the failings of a current government that also sucks. Yeah, um, yeah. The part where like the lady who makes the nets was like, no, like this is like this isn't great, but I want this here. Yeah, uh, is why I went through with it. Yeah, me too. If she had, if she had been opposed to it, I probably wouldn't have done it. Because <laughs> <laughs> she rules. She's one yeah. of the best characters in the game. Um, yeah, because she's the one who's like, uh, you, you meet her, you talk to her, she gives you some information, she gives you a sword, she gave me a sword, she that was pretty cool. She gave me a sword, cool. she gave me a sword, she rules. Yeah, she's like, it's not a great sword, but you could have this. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, you come to her and, you know, uh, Harry's a drunk and he sucks, and she, she had a husband who was drunk and died and at sea, and she just has no time for your bullshit. And there's a lot of, like, talking to her where, like, Harry's a, we'll get into the game's relationship with, like, women, but Harry's a character who's, like, actively looking for a woman to save him. Um, <laughs> and uh, isn't particularly picky about who it might be. Um, And so his interactions with her are very much like he clearly is like interested in her and she's not interested in this drunk asshole. Um, But you can convince her to go on like a walk with you, like just like a a single date. And uh, I did that. I got the check and we went and you go to like the very top of the map, which is just like the thing is this game takes place in like, like right before like right before winter locks down for the year it feels like like it's it's cold it's gray it sucks <laughs> um it's like a very distinct like sense ability uh i think of the movie um insomnia the original not the chris nolan remake but mm-hmm. uh it's just like you know like uh very like european right before the the, the bay freezes and no one can move for six months right yeah that's um, how it is <laughs> yeah and so you go to her and it, you're just standing on this like desolate beach and the sun breaks out of the sky for like five minutes this day this overcast day you'll just get five minutes where it's nice and sunny and the two of you talk and she's like you know uh live my life this place is beautiful i appreciate it here and harry's like yeah it's great here and uh you have this like nice conversation and then uh he's like do you think we can do this again sometimes she's like absolutely not and then your brain is like you'd need at least two like a full year of sobriety before she'd even talk to you again about this uh much less agree to something else uh and that's it that's the conversation and it's good yes no uh that that like date situation is excellent because um because so because like harry is always going up to not necessarily I mean, you're you're controlling him but like it always presents you when he like meets different women for the first time with like options not to flirt but like to engage because he you know is looking for this connection um which you eventually find yeah out. It's, he's not like he's not like a ladies man he's like a he's like desperately looking for like the rebound that can be his mom <laughs> yes um and eventually like if you're me you kind of ignore those options because uh yeah I'm trying to like play Harry as like uh, redemptive, and he's going to figure it out on his own. Um, also, I internalized like feminist thought within the first twenty minutes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, also, I'm a nice person and understand the world. Um, yes. But the game will like not let that go, right? Like that is actually central to the game in a way that even if you resist the role playing, it does eventually reveal itself. Um, mm-hmm. As so as the game goes, it is revealed that this like emptiness in him comes from a bad relationship, uh, that like broke up 
six years before when his like being a shitty drunk cop went off the rails what at the very at the very end of the game when they tell you it's been six years harry's incredulousness and my incredulousness were matched six he's this hung up over something from six years ago (laughs) yeah and he's like wait i'm still pining for six years ago Yeah, it is. A, it is. That is a good, uh, a good bit because, like, are you kidding me? This was six years. I'm doing this over six years. As he's been fucked up over this, this woman leaving him, and uh, the tensions between them are like, you know, he, he was. Uh, you find a lot of this out in the last conversation of the game, as mm-hmm. the people who know you just lay out very flatly the history of uh, Harry's life, um, and he mm-hmm. was a school teacher. I was a PE teacher. <laughs> he yeah, was a gym teacher who decided to become a cop, <laughs> which. Ain't that every fucking gym teacher you've ever met? <laughs> and all, but the thing, the thing with Harry is that he's like he was a good cop. Like he was very unorthodox, and he he took heavy emotional losses. He's like, what if uh, McNulty just like imploded every time he walked <laughs> into the office? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he really is. Yeah. Um. And so he he cleared like vastly more cases than any other cop, but obviously just lost it doing so. Yes. Uh, and throughout the game, there's like um, another subplot, uh, not really a subplot, but like references to um, Dolores Day, uh, who is like the religious figure at the heart of the church, which is also kind of the state. And the ambiguity of that is like deliberate. No one really knows which came first yeah. in terms of the history, where like the moralists are like the center of the government, uh, but their like moralism has like a very spiritual. Uh, like uh history even though they downplay that because they are rationalists as how they present they try to present their like truths as evidence um and you know that contradiction is part of the game but whenever harry thinks about uh or like sees dolores day uh and you see his giant stained glass window and he's like terrified of it and feels abandoned and it's definitely like a weird all of his weird feelings of women are bound up in this god figure uh that is also the representation of like uh bourgeois rationalism and eventually you get the scene at the end of the game where you go to sleep in the island briefly and you meet uh your old wife leaving you who is represented as dolores day like as this god figure you don't actually see her uh in the game and the only options are that you can pick as harry being extremely pathetic uh you could your only options are how pathetic he is before she leaves um, I tried very hard to be very not pathetic and uh, managed okay. Uh, I leaned in. I didn't, thought didn't didn't give her the figure. Didn't try to kiss her. None of that. Just like talked to her and then tried to get out of the conversation. I went the other way because I knew it was a dream. So I was like, I wonder how like much in the movie version of this scene he is at his worst, right? Like mm-hmm. this is. So I leaned into that. I was like, I wonder what they they do here. And I don't actually end up feeling that really added much going down those routes. Um, it was just I think the whole scene's kind of bad, honestly. Yeah. Like, we'll talk about the stuff we liked and didn't like. Uh, I think the end of this game is full of scenes I don't like particularly much. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it definitely, like, re-senses... Like, this whole scene, if you've been ignoring most of the, like, uh, attempts Harry makes to um, connect with these women he thinks can save him, uh, this whole scene comes a little bit out of nowhere as you realize the game is interested in something that you definitely weren't. Yeah. Um, and expects you to care about it on the level that you care about the other kind of like ideological and thematic threads um Mm -hmm. i just don't care about shitty men sorry uh yeah it's weird because the game has like a general trend to like talk about men's like very toxic relationship to women in a way that's like 
tied up in its politics in a way that's very strange. Like when you yes. meet the communist, uh, he was part of the communist group when he was like a teenager and he abandoned his post during the invasion and is holed up on this island and just watches people and is resentful. Like he's, he's just a shitty boy who never grew up. Right. Yes. And because of that, he has like this really, really gross relationship with women who he like observes through his rifle scope and hates and lusts after and It's all really bad and nasty. Um, but the game does this like weird thing to like through the way it interacts with the women where like the men are the ones who are like burdened with all of their politics and the women are just quietly living their lives and suffering under the men with all of their politics. Mm -hmm. Um, because we haven't talked about her, but there's this character called Klausia who lives, in, she's in the apartment, uh, or like the, you know, the hotel room two down from you that has like a nice balcony on top. And she's been there for a while. And she was the guy, she was the woman who, uh, witnessed, she was with the guy when he got shot, um, and watched them cover it up. And she's the one who called the police and she has a shady past because she's on the run. Cause she was a corporate spy, yada, yada, all sorts of things. Um, but also she's like. This character who's like desperately trying to like carve out a life for herself when men keep using her because she's like a beautiful woman uh, who can get things done in the world. Mm -hmm. Like she is a victim of like masculine oppression in the world. And it only comes up with Harry being like just brain broken about her. <laughs> like he meets her, he talks to her. And I believe like I personally mostly believed her and the stuff I didn't believe I didn't care about. Like I like, yes, she's shady. She's probably doing illegal shit. I don't care about arresting her just because she was doing illegal shit. But your your aspects of your mind, which is a thing in this game, we haven't really talked about. Oh right, we constantly. haven't talked about the concept of the video game. Yeah, the concept of the video game is that Harry like constantly is in conversation with various aspects of his mind that are based on the statue build your character with. So something like your sense of drama or uh, the shivers, which is like oh. weird, uncanny things, or authority or encyclopedia, just like parts that you might know, um, all like talk to you as you passively pass checks with those skills. Um, and when you talk to Klausia and you're, you're like nice to her or whatever, your mind eventually chimes up with like, you know, she's fucking with you, right? Like this is her just playing a game. Like you're being manipulated. Uh, and you can't really, you can't, you can like kind of play it off, but you can't argue it down where your brain, like parts of your brain are convinced that she is playing you for a fool and that like she is evil and has to be arrested. And you can not do that but your mind will never not think this woman is evil because she's playing with your heart because she's just too beautiful to be talking to you and thus must be manipulating you and it's really toxic and gross and i don't know how much the game is aware that what it's doing is like 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 bad like because like there's no point where you can actually like push through that and be like no she's living her life and it's fine i mean so I think I have a more charitable reading it than that because I think the arc of that is that you you listen to your um you listen to your stats and the, mm -hmm. they are and then the moment where you realize your stats have been compromised is like uh, mechanically extremely cool right because this like fact this true fact of the world is suddenly pulled out from under you um, mm -hmm. but then there's like a second bit which is later on when you are eventually coming to the end of this and you're like ah I'm not gonna arrest her because not. In addition to just believing the things that she's saying partially because I, you know, I know the facts and uh, have some empathy here because I'm a normal person. Uh, I've also read a book before. I know it's not her. I know it's not the other woman that she's trying to blame. I know it's someone else because I know what I know what a story is, and he's probably on the island where that is on the map, but I can't go to because um, you figure that out very early because you look at the map and you go, oh, that's the end of the game right there. Um, yeah. So you figure all that out. Uh, 
and you eventually kind of talk down your logic stat and not not talk down but you do like you can just override it and say uh i am going to let her go we are not arresting her right now and kim's distrustful and the logic stat is distrustful but i feel like that scene plays as like two reveals there's the first reveal that the side that instantly believes her is is like a compromise but then eventually you realize the side that instantly like distrust her is compromised as well both of these are mm-hmm. out, like both of them come out of the same the, thi- the thing the thing i needed was the 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 side that distrusts her you don't like the game doesn't provide text for you to deny that be like no you're the one that's wrong um, there was a couple lines of being like it's just when it's like no i i do believe we're letting her go i don't believe she's done she's uh like even if she, i think i was able to say that even if she lied she didn't do the murder which is like true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not the same thing as mm-hmm. she's manipulating me. She's a suspect. We have to arrest her. Mm-hmm. Which you can't ever like. The game constantly wants you to try to arrest her, and I was not going to do that. I was also not going to do that. Um, and like the thing that makes this like kind of like I don't want to give them too much credit is like okay, so the way this game works is you you explore the world, and eventually you you will stumble across enough like conversations or lore that will unlock ideas that you can assign to your character that are just thoughts uh, or conceptions of thoughts that you can learn over time and then they become incorporated in your personality unlock new dialogue options that's like do you want to be a hardline communist do you want to be an art critic uh do you want to uh you know be able to like get over your own bullshit when you're being extra uh do you want to be a feminist uh do you want race science i didn't get the race science one thank god um but uh, the feminist one is really weird because it unlocks, like, extremely obnoxious, like, neoliberal white feminist dialogue options exclusively. Yes. So when you when you get your inexplicable feminist agenda, which is what it's called, basically you go around whenever someone says anything, like, remotely sexist, you're like, oh, what? Th- think about the women. Hire more women guards. Did you presume this doctor could, it could only be a man? Stuff, like, bullshit like that. <laughs> it's just, like, the most tiresome shit. And there's no... A recognition that this is like its own bad thing like it's played mostly as a joke when you in- internalize that one and there's not enough space in the world like in the text to talk about like the women in this world are the people who are suffering the most under men who like perpetuate violence towards them and the only one who's uh, like not in that cycle is the fucking rich lady on a boat <laughs> yeah so i'm also conflicted in this because I, I we need to talk about the actual ending of the game um because the game itself right like definitely at least in that option is that is not an option about actually being earnestly uh inclusive of women in your ideological crusade to make the world better it is a joke about men on twitter or yeah. in the life of the world you know just people yes. who are sh- like men who presume to be the people the like uh people fighting for women and how shitty that yeah. is but at the same time because the game is so like even if you resist it, the game is about masculinity in a very direct way, arguably more than about communism. Uh, as when you find this, uh, the old like communist soldier who did the murder, like the the game is ultimately about how, or the main plot at least, r- reveals itself to be about how he hates everyone in the city because the capitalist city is just despicable, and that is true. But yeah. uh, he's also like repressed all this hate in, like he hates women and also lusts after them just intensely and so his feeling towards Clashia is just like destroying his brain um mm-hmm. and so the i feel like it is at least partially on purpose how the game like is about how men process 
their feelings about the world and women in these contradictory ways of like possessiveness and empathy uh like you know uh, uh titus hardy gets into that as well when he like asked you to um speak to Clashia and is trying to claim that uh Clashia has been uh you know has been raped and Clashia says no I haven't he's like being shitty to me and that's like a very fraught knife's edge plot line but ultimately is about how um even though it comes from an urge of deciding what is best right that is a very paternalistic urge from Titus and the game ultimately thinks it is pathetic and shitty uh yeah but while it portrays all these things as pathetic and shitty it is still about the trauma of being a pathetic and shitty man (laughs) Mm-hmm. and how that destroys you and the world and mm-hmm. it doesn't even portray at the end of the game i feel like an escape for harry i think it just portrayed i think its ultimate like position on this is that this is just like a part of being a man that you have to deal with and it's weird right because the game is so clearly in, around it like in its quiet moments about the redemption of this man who imploded and is putting himself back together again yes. like on a fundamental level um like you know reaching out to kim and exploring who you are and deciding where you stand on stuff and you can go any way you want in the framework but then when the game brings the plot in and brings you back to like this is your history uh it's so limited in what it allows you to do even though up until the very end of the game, like it feels like your Harry could just quit being a cop. He could go join the union. Him and Kim could run off and be hardline communists. If you can, if you could convince Kim just a little bit more, he's almost there. He's, he's so almost close. There. He's so close. <laughs> um, and uh, instead, you know, the, the other cops show up and tell you, Oh, I used to be your partner. And this is the, the situation. And uh, man, you're a fuck up. And the other like young detective is like, no, he's not a fuck up. He's fine. I he, clearly, he got the case done. He's not been drinking. Like, come on. Um, and then you're like, I guess we'll just be cops. Kim, do you want to join my precinct? And we can get more murders solved. And it's such a narrow space to rethread the game through that it feels really like not even deliberately anticlimactic. It feels like they couldn't escape the inertia of the genre they're in to deliver like the catharsis that the rest of the game is really good about giving you in the quiet moments. Yeah, uh, I think that while I end up uh well in the moment i thought that the conversation between you and the communist was like fantastic um like you basically you know you meet someone who you've been looking the whole game for someone who finally who can just see this world is awful and we need to actually be hardline about fighting it uh rather than um the half measures you see around the 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 world and the ways that everyone is compromised and sucks and then he is just like as shitty and awful as everyone else but in a like a human way not an ideological way um and so you go through that conversation and you're like, oh, wow, now this is going to, they're going to have to put this back together. What is the thing they put back together? And the thing is, um, you see the Phasmid and the Phasmid is like, oh, she just reads off. This is really, it's better than this, uh, but basically reads off the text of a Shin Megami Tensei ending to you. Um, as it says, oh, you feel like it's hopeless now, but uh, and humanity has ruined everything, but, you know, I think you're the birth of hope, and you can keep going, and we can keep going to tomorrow, and then you go back to the island, and you meet, you know, your partners, like you said, and they all suck, and you just go back to work? Uh, yeah. You just fucking go back to work? Are you kidding me? I was... Yeah. And I tried. I literally tried to be like, I'm not going back. You suck. You're asking me all this shit, like, I've done anything wrong, as opposed to just solving the case and fixing my life. Uh... Harry with uh, Kim were leaving, but I, I didn't. The game didn't like offer those options, so I really tried no. to push it that way. Yeah, like I did convince Kim to join me because that was like the one presented as you know you and Kim will work together. But yeah, I didn't. 
uh, the rest of the game gives me no sense that going back to this precinct working these like unwinnable cases because they all fall here is in any way a noble cause yeah uh, and in fact the game's about how it's not a noble cause i feel um so it just being like oh then back to the back to the shop is a very strange ending that i think would work more without the like expansive rpg options right i understand if this is a book it ends the way you see the end of the case and you go back to the job and that's like the wistfulness of this genre right yeah the end of every ghost in the shell episode and it would be fine um but because uh your harry sees this like huge possibility space of what it means for the world uh to like move forward and the final quest as you talk to these people is called the return which is the name Mm. for like the revolution or at least the hypothetical future revolution whatever it may be whether it'll be a sea change towards fascism or to communism or a new thing entirely the return is like the hope for the future and that's the name of the final quest and all you do is talk to your cop talk to your cop buddies and go back to work yeah so i definitely felt that dissonance at the end (laughs) yeah um let's talk about how i the ending went for me it's time to talk about how you uh fell out of the sky at the end of journey (laughs) yeah so uh, um you you get to the end you talk to the communists you see the plasmid i pass that check and then i went up to the the phasmid and i couldn't talk to it because and i i like there was this check i'm like this is a low check i didn't really put points in the skill tried to pass it uh thankfully because i was like this seems very important that i pass this check i want i want to pass this check so i tried to pass it a couple times that i saved and then i went and edited my save to add it's very easy to add skills if you want to cheat this game you don't need to really but i did learn that you could do that very easily um and so i gave myself entire like perfect stats basically went to talk to this guy again the check was like 98 percent pass Failed it every single time. Reloaded my save multiple times. Failed it. Tried to look up what happened. And I missed the resolution of a side quest way past where I was. Because I'm in the point of no return at the end of the game. uh, Where you talk to a cryptozoologist. And if you check some traps and do some things. He gives you some pheromones. And you need the pheromones to talk to the phasmid. Or it will run away when you try to approach it. Yes. Um, and so I just couldn't have the conversation with the weird spooky thing that showed up. I'd ra- like at that point, I'd rather the weird spooky thing just not show up at all than be like, see it and then not be able to do anything with it. Because then we show up and when I talk to the cops, like I haven't had the conversation, there's nothing, it ran away. And I'm like, okay, here's, and then it just, it basically tro- drops a chest full of the things you need to neatly wrap up the murder as it disappears into the mist, um, yes. with no conversation, no preamble, but here's the things you need to tie everything up. And you, you go and you talk to the the um the communist and he's all like because he's been mind affected by this thing and you're like oh maybe he was mind affected by this thing i don't know didn't talk to the thing don't even know what its agenda is and then you go back to the island you go back home and you talk to these cops that show up and uh you and kim try to explain everything but you don't have any details so you're just like there was a phasmid and they're like a phasmid are you kidding me and it's like no kim kim's like no there was a phasmid and he's like well you wouldn't make shit up but we don't have any proof so let's forget about that for now doesn't come up again yes um and it's just like it was such a weird like deflation because like the game felt like it was building to like a conversation about stuff and then supposedly the thing that would offer that conversation shows up and then i can't even interact with it because i missed a single quest trigger like way like four hours before 
like to be clear, you had talked to the cryptozoologist. You had got the information about. Yeah, like, you for knew some she reason, was I just not. The... I like, yeah, the the quest. Like, I'd not completed the quest in a way that I thought. Like, I didn't have the quest in my log, so I guess I must not have picked it up. But I, I thought I went through all his dialogue options. I just didn't go through them enough, apparently. Right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't like you didn't talk to him. Or you didn't explore the game enough. You talked to him and ended up without that thing. And it is definitely frustrating because while I think in the main game the way that. Uh, failure checks work are mostly very interesting and failure is often as interesting as success like you need to fail ch- certain checks to get certain thoughts mm-hmm. um, failure gives you like uh, or if you get certain thoughts failure will give you um, you know health and mind back uh, and I don't know if you got that one but I, I did uh, so yeah, every, every, every failed check was giving me giving me new points and giving me new tests on things and it was helping things and uh, so like the game is designed for fail fail checks to be as valid as possible but you come to this end point and suddenly in a way there hasn't been for the rest of the game there is a correct ending like yeah. the novelistic like here's what the game and the plot is like take over in the final act which is fine if you've done everything correctly and will pass the check um mm-hmm. and like even i had to like reload the game a couple times to pass the check to see the the phasmid in the first place because i'm not fucking failing that <laughs> like i yeah. i know it's the end of the game and i know that i need to see this um and so it's definitely strange how stringent some of those requirements are uh because there's no interesting narrative purpose to denying that information to certain players i feel like yeah um in a way, whereas there, there is when when there are like six ways to do a thing, and then one door is closed to you, and you have to improvise. Like that's interesting. That is a, a way in which this like RPG gameplay of tabletop RPGs just doesn't translate to games because there's no shortcut. You simply have to write eight different paths uh, for people to take. Uh, and normally RPGs just have smaller dialogue trees and put the burden of that stuff on combat. And here they just have to write just everything uh and here at the end of the game when there's really only a couple things you can say or do um it is strange i feel like those things shouldn't have been checks you should just be able to see the end of the game (laughs) yeah and then i went and watched the ending um but it doesn't tell you anything that's like like honestly like the lack of the conversation like i was like oh this is gonna tell me something really profound about the world it doesn't it doesn't yeah i ended up it tells you it tells you that the the plants and the weird the cryptids all decided the humans are what caused the pale but it thinks that you because your mind is so chaotic and disordered in a way they can't understand might be the key to unlocking a good brighter future and i'm like well that's all terrible yes no i hated the phasma conversation because when i say that it's rude they stopped it i like you know i enjoyed the um from like a in a bummer kind of way i enjoyed this conversation with the communist and finding the person you've basically been looking for the whole game and he sucks just as much as everyone else uh very depressing but you know in line with the the game's ideas and then having a a mythical creature show up to say actually this is about like humanity and nihilism and should we give up and the plot of every jrpg ever um which, but also, like, the game was already about those things. I didn't need a giant right. bug to tell me that. I mean, the, the the very first conversation of the game is about this, right? With your reptilian brain. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. do you want to wake up? It's just apes fighting each other. Do you have hope to keep going? And I'm like, oh, I've played many games that have these themes. And then we went in, and then the game itself ended up being more interesting than that broad level. Because I find that broad level question uninteresting because the answer is always you keep going right like that is not the interesting part the interesting part is the specifics of what the the, like themes are saying and bringing it back to that broad level is it worth it to keep going has uh, the human cruel cruelty ended the world uh is not it's not the question i found interesting about anything in disco elysium yeah so yeah uh, i was 
I liked part of the ending, I think, more than you, and it be seeing the ending on one run definitely helped. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. But I was also frustrated by some of the ways it wrapped up, for sure. Um, yeah. Um, so you want to talk about the little things we didn't talk about that are still very good in this game? Uh, yeah, let's talk about why the game's incredible. <laughs> yeah, okay, so all this shit is fine, and we'll, co- we'll come back around to why none of this matters after we talk about the shit that's good. Um, but... You're not allowed to sing karaoke at the inn because last time you did it was terrible and you owe that guy money. You broke his taxidermy bird that was on the wall. He fucking hates you. The guy who runs the inn, he's like, no, you're not allowed to sing karaoke. Also, you forgot all the songs you knew uh, because you have incredible alcohol and drug-induced amnesia. Um, but you make amends, you pay him back, you find another bird, you find a song, and you're like, finally, I get to fucking sing karaoke. And you get up on that stage, and you sing the saddest sad sack song in the entire world, and you're fucking terrible at it, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful! (laughs) And everyone's like, really? That was the song you came up with? Uh, And then at the end of the game, hours later, uh, multiple, like, your your old partner who fucking sucks and Kim are both like, no, it was was actually really moving. (laughs) It was pretty good. It was pretty good. And they're like, damn right, it was. I passed that check. Um... That stuff's that that's amazing. Uh, there's a scene where you find the truck. Your your police car is like this, like old timey like motor carriage that you fucking drove into the water uh, before you lost your memory. And you find it, and you and Kim sit there, and it's like, oh, you know, we'll just wait uh, because you're waiting for the tide to go out so you can get in there and see if any of your stuff is in there because you're missing your badge, and you're missing your gun, uh, and so you and Kim sit on a like deserted swing set, and you just kind of sit. And hang out in this cold and you can whistle if you pass the right check and you whistle and you and Kim have this like bonding moment and it's incredible. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, it rules. It fucking rules. Like all of these small, so like the big picture themes are often, you know, we've gone into them, but the, because the game is just like a small, relatively small space for like a game that was in development for four years, um, with like a full team, uh, and ju- like, just writing they can just make these small moments, some of them that are, like, hidden behind a bunch of checks, and you can see just these, like, tiny things, right? Like, I think one of my favorite scenes in the game, um, which has been mentioned by other people, like, this is a... I feel like this is a very common choice for best scene in the game, uh, is when you find uh, a dead man on the pier, and you work out um, who he is, and you find his library card, and you call the library, and you find the... Uh, you find the place where he used to live and you simply have to go in and tell his wife that he has, he has died. And his wife's a character that you found earlier in the game, like, looking for her husband. Um, but so much has ha- had happened between then and, like, I hadn't played for, like, five days that I'd forgotten, kind of forgotten about her. Uh, and so the moment that I knocked on the door and heard her voice was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, it is gut-wrenching in a way that none of the high-level... Uh, plot can be simply because of the smallness and meaninglessness of this moment and there is no grander work at play you just have to tell this woman that her husband uh, died because he hit his head because he was drunk and um, 
it's really it's also emotional. the one time where like the check like so much of the game is about like talking to people to get information to make the checks easier yes and the more you dawdle with telling her the worse the check is like it's harder to do if you don't just walk in there and do the right thing and tell her what happened yes you can't like i mean you, you have given options of like oh how are your kids what is and like every single one of those is like no you this isn't about you right you are this is the job theoretically in a good world right where you still have you can't have a world without some kind of community enforcement you know yeah um, someone has to go and tell you that your husband fell down and died it is easy to and it's a bad job and no one wants it but someone has to do it right it's easy to imagine a world without cops but that job still has to be done and the scene is about the person who has to do that and it's great um and so yeah that was a fantastic scene but there's also like there's a small subplot with um someone who's in like in like a gang who isn't like communist explicitly but is definitely uh it doesn't say but i feel like this game's version of anarchism mm-hmm. uh as she sits all day uh not working kind of lives in a um abandoned uh like area of the apartment complex that's just got some pipes in um and she does graffiti and she's cool she's she's cool and you like learn some graffiti from her and you're like i'm i need some i need some of your paint i'm gonna go do some stuff um and you you can make this huge bit of graffiti uh on one of the walls and you can have it say various slogans that represent your ideas and that's cool but the real the real cool thing is at the end of the game where there's been we haven't even mentioned the big shootout but i assume you know the plot it's a big shootout after the big shootout shootout. (laughs) um you come out of the uh you come out of the the diner and uh, you see painted on the floor as like um i forget the exact phrase but she is uh done she is she is painted in motor oil uh graffiti that is yearning for this the return that people are hoping for like you know it's like she will come one day or something um yeah, it's not that bad it's also about like revenchal itself waking up because yes. there's a sense that the city itself is like a a slumbering consciousness that people like if people cared about the community the city itself could wake up again like late in the game you in your delusions maybe or maybe it's just true because it's a spooky game you just c- converse with the city of revenchal it is one day i will return to your side is the quote Um, yeah and she has painted this outside in the like area that you've been walking through and obviously you light it on fire because it's motor oil and you watch it burn (laughs) and it's amazing (laughs) yeah it's really good and yeah so the game is just full of moments like this that are just full of humanity and uh just really impactful as very small things that you just do because I mean, like, the surviving guy of the two guys playing bowls um, says, I was like, really, you set it on fire? And one of the responses is just, it had to be done, which is what I chose. Yeah, that's what I picked. (laughs) What else Um, is there to say? Yeah, other things that are good. Uh, there's like a there's a store where you like buy books, like a bookshop. They have they have tabletop games there, and so I bought a tabletop game that seemed like it was it's like a resource management kingdom builder style game. And I, I had some time to kill because I was waiting for uh, the library to open so I could f- find out who that dead guy is so I could tell his wife that he's dead. Um, and so I was just killing time, and you kill time by reading books or playing a, bit, a game. So I open this game, and me and Kim carefully punch out all the little cardboard tokens, and we sit down, and Kim explains the rules to me and it's about like building up a like a kingdom and building workers and improving workers to more efficiently maximize your production so you can beat the other people in an economic game um and uh then you're like that's a lot of rules and he's like well you know it's all made up you know it doesn't matter you you just play the game like don't 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 get too worked up about it it'll be fine we'll have fun and what i ended up doing is my harrier just decided to just like 
not play the game by the rules. Like I built up my king. Like these were options I could pick. You could just play Kim in the game. But what I did was I just built up my kingdom, built schools, educated my workers, like made a nice place. I was just assuming like, like lining the tokens up really neatly. So they're living in very nice communities that are, have a lot of space and whatever. Um, Kim stomped me, of course, but at the end, Kim's like, you know, this is something admirable about you just deciding to do the right thing instead of the thing the game told you to do. And it fucking rules. (laughs) Yes. Uh, the the like arc of between you and Kim and the begrudging respect that grows into like actual friendship over the course of the week uh, mm-hmm. is excellent. Um, everyone loves Kim who has played this game. I feel like, uh, yeah, because Kim is like he shows up and he's like kind of stuffy and he's very serious and those are true things about him. But a lot of that is because he is someone who is too, like he knows that he is like in a job that does not respect him and the world sucks. And he's decided to try to like, just stay under the radar. Uh, he is the opposite of Harry's response was just be big and explode and ruin everyone's lives. And he's just like, I'll keep my head down. I'll do my, the best I can. And that's it. That's all I can do. That's all I can grab in this world. And the two of you, like he brings you down to earth and you show him that better worlds are possible. And the two of you are just a fucking, dynamite team <laughs> yes uh he's one of the he's like you know he's one of the best party members in rpgs and like partially that's because no other party member in any rpg has had this level of just intense amount of writing he's there yes. for almost every scene you can send him away but you can have him for most things so almost every scene has like kim chiming in occasionally um and you know it's like so because of this, of this game's density uh like I like party members in Planescape Torment, but they don't have this level of characterization and nuance to them. Just- no, I can't. I cannot think of a single game that has party members I like as much as Kim. Like straight up, doesn't exist. And he's the only one. So like, it, yeah, it makes sense why you know when you pull your resources this way, you can make a character this good. It is not just a question of like writing quality. It is definitely a question of time and work. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I really liked in this, uh, just like a quiet moment, is when you go to the final island, uh, you have Kim with you or whatever, and you get the boat from the net maker woman who gives you, she's like, you can borrow the boat, it's fine, I'm not going out today. And you get in the boat, and <laughs> Kim's rowing you to this island, this bombed out island, and Harrier decides the thing you need is to just have a boombox blasting, like, sad FM, just like this, like, anthem as he stands proudly on the prow of this shitty little rowboat going to this island to solve the case. Oh, it's amazing! <laughs> It's so good. It's it's perfect. It's the beautiful encapsulation of why these two just are the best. The perfect combination. Could have rolled credits right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so all of these small things are just like the point of the game to me. Um, yeah, the game, the, the, the quiet moments in this game are incredible because they're just human and they're, they're usually well written and you just get moments where like people are sad together and it's such a, it's a thing that games do not do well if they do it at all. And this game does it exceptionally well. And it so outclasses all of the like politics and big plot murder mystery stuff. Yes. Um, and and when I, I'm about to say something that isn't an insult, though it will sound it. Um but it's like really, it's like incredible. This stuff, like it's uh, revelatory for games, uh, to the point where it's almost like a decent paperback novel, right? Like, yes, it is- yeah. This is this is yes. This is us bringing it back around, I guess. Which your your reaction to this as a you finished it before me, but I was kind of there anyway. It was like this is this is a really good like airport detective novel. Yes, and it is. This is this is what this game is good at. Is like some characters you like solve a mystery. The mystery is like kind of interesting, but you know, mostly just 
just is there uh, to move the plot along. But you get the moments where the characters interact while they're solving the mystery, and that's the thing you carry with you and remember. Yes, and and so because of this, right? Like the difference between this and and like an Apple paperback novel is uh, there's like thirty of those every year. <laughs> yeah, there's you could you could if you only wanted to read like fiction about two characters in desolate towns uh solving a murder you will be never. busy the rest of your life you would never run out you would literally never run out you could go through and, like there's all different subgenres there you know you could probably just do them from like scandinavia and still never run out yeah. if you if you just want to read uh you know detective fiction about old ladies who solve murders you could live four lifetimes and not be done <laughs> And so, like, Disco Elysium is, like, unfairly burdened with the weight of its, like, medium, because Disco Elysium has to be, because it's so exciting and new in the things it is trying, uh, like, an important and revelatory game. But it would be better served by just being able to be a story of the scale that it just is. And it is hard to say whether that is, like, a failing of the game. I think it is more a failing of the space is a failing of video games that and part like there's no solution here because the problem is production right like a single person can write a novel a year usually takes longer than that but it can happen people like there are novelists who put out a book a year and there are a lot of them because you only need one person to make it uh video games take a long time and take a lot of people and a lot of money (laughs) yes and And so you don't get you don't get this style of game like there are like three games that I think come close to the stuff I like in Disco Elysium, and they are Planescape Torment, which we talked about in this podcast, uh, Pillars of Eternity, I haven't played the sequel, maybe that one does it too, uh, some stuff in there is really interesting, especially in the DLC, and The Witcher 1, specifically The Witcher 1, uh, which I think does interesting stuff with its world that the other Witchers just kind of build off of in ways that are not as interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um And that's it, that's what I've got. I, I can't think of any other games that do this in this kind of space. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and that's over 30 years. <laughs> definitely Four not, entries. Definitely not on, like, this scale, right? Like... Yeah. No, that, yeah, I've, like, you can you can play, like, a Twine game with some good writing and, you know, but, like, it's not it's not the same thing. Like, it categorically isn't. Yes. And it, we would be foolish to pretend that it is just because we right. want to be fair to the small games. Like, there is a quality to a game that takes me 20 hours in the story that I was going to tell that is categorically different to a game I'm going to find on itch and really like, but only really like for four hours, right? Because it's only that long. There's not how much content a person can make. Yes. <laughs> because that is a normal person's amount of content to make, almost as if you're making a book that would take, like, four or five hours to read. <laughs> right. Uh, so... It- it's it's unfortunate that the Disco Elysium has to bear that burden, but at the same time, you know, you can't avoid that. Uh, yes. And the game, it's not like the game doesn't have lofty ambitions, because it does talk about, like, huge things, and is about communism, and is about, like, what it means to imagine a better world. Um, so the game is very expansive. And I, I, I want to mention that the history of this game is the, um, the lead writer uh, wrote a book in 2013, and no one bought it, because it's a fucking book. Um, and nobody reads anymore. Uh, and someone said, "Hey, you should make a video game." Uh, oh, I think it was me. I forget the exact. I, you know, I read this a couple weeks ago. But like, if you're thinking about making a tabletop game, and then someone said, "Hey, you should make a video game in this setting," and then they just spent five years making that. And so, I'm very interested to read this uh, this novel cause that is currently being translated into English off the back of the success of Disco Elysium. Um, and see the like differences in scale and ambition there, because. Mm-hmm. They are two projects from the same central person. Like the game was made by a whole team, obviously, but uh, he wrote the novel himself because it's a book. Um, and I'm just very curious what the differences in feel will be between the two. Uh, yeah, because you spend five years making it. They spent a long time making this video game. 
Yeah. And partially this is also because like Outer Worlds came out last year also. And that is a game that sold itself on being about like you're going to fight against corporations and capitalism and this is the, this is the one big AAA anti-capitalist game, Yeet the Rich. Yeet the Rich. And it turns out that the game is just New Vegas, but it's even more like aggressively centrist about stuff. Uh and isn't weird around the edges in the way New Vegas is and just is dull and boring and in the ways that we expect we expect our games to be dull and boring and if they say something it only gestures at something and it doesn't get in the conversation because no one's ready to have conversations about even trivial matters much less big ideas about anti-capitalism yes uh and so disco elysium comes along and it's the communist game and the conversation it blows up in like everyone's wild expectations about what that has to be and what it represents and then you load the game up and you're a shitty drunk who has to solve a murder while a kid yells that you're gay at you oh for three hours <laughs> yeah um and uh i understand why people are like put off by that also there's like chapo voice actors which we're not going to get into but fuck chapo it's true um and uh i like it's it's unfair to this game but also we've created a culture and a medium where we don't expect these works and so when these works come out they have to be everything to everybody and that's that is a failing of all like everyone to not demand more of every game so if every game was talking about something if they had if every game had fucking themes we wouldn't expect a game that has themes to be exceptional right and this is also like a uh, reality of just um you know games to to have a mass audience games either have to be very lucky uh, like small scale games that like this, you know, relatively small scale at least compared to Assassin's Creed, uh, that are lucky enough to hit on some kind of vein that can propel them to a mass success, uh, or made by literally a thousand people. Um, yeah. And so, like, I don't want to say it is impossible, but it definitely feels, you know, it is almost impossible and at least definitely very difficult to make a game of that scale interesting in any way shape or form um and we can like do the work as critics to bring in interesting reads right like i can play a kingdom hearts game which has themes uh, and talk about them and you know uh, discuss them in ways that are uh nuanced and so, yeah i can get a lot out of that i can i can do the work i can come to the game make a meet on its terms and i can find it moving and enjoyable and take things from it thematically um but it is not it is still a game in which mickey mouse teams up with cloud strife uh to sell the work of the biggest corporation in the world um like it is just it's just functionally a different thing like uh so a game that is just here's a game about things is just like rare right it just feels like breathing water for the first time nope breathing air not breathing water <laughs> don't breathe the water don't breathe the water but you know tripped over my words there but you know what i mean yeah it's uh it's weird yeah, which is not to say games can't be like leftist, or, you know, like I feel like it's easy to take that as like a despondent, well, games can't even try to do this. No, every game could do this. But, oh, sorry. My point wasn't that it was dis uh, impossible to try. My point was more, I, I guess the 7 remake is the easiest pull here, right? Um, just because it's right there. Uh, but the game from 1997 is more interesting. Less people touched than the it. Game, than the game from 2020, yes. yes. Uh, and I. I can't prove that's a, the reason why the new one's less interesting, but I have, you know, pointing at things, I can definitely assume that the realities of mass production mean that it was easier for games to be more interesting and, uh, you know, rugged and strange uh, 20 years ago, even if those games were the, like, flagship titles of 
what at the time was the biggest company. Um, yeah. The scale is just exponentially different now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like what, what Disco Elysium, Disco Elysium needs to be like comfortable in its genre is for the style of game it is to be a framework that people could make their own in like you do twine. Yes. Right. Like people need to be making like single screen CRPGs where you like solve a murder or like investigate a mystery or just have conversations or argue or get in a fist fight or a thousand other things that you can just go and get on itch. Like the framework doesn't exist for this game to be like produced on mass enough to get a diversity of co- like stories and artistic viewpoints uh, that it needs to like not be burdened with the expectation of this has to be the, the communist detective game. And even if like someone made a new infinity engine that made like the art pipeline and the dialogue pipeline of these kinds of games, like really streamlined, you you still have to write like five novels worth of text for a small one of these. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I, like I've written a Twine game. It's doable. It's it's not super hard. I would not begin to take on the burden of writing something or like making something in this kind of style because you have to account for so many disparate ideas. Like you know, Twine games, if they if they branch at all, it is very narrowly, and then they usually come back outside of like very experimental versions of the genre because the expectations are that this is a game where like the genre is about checking all your stats and giving you different ways to approach stuff and like this game does really well with that stuff but it just means it's impossible to make content for it right it's impossible yeah and i'm glad we have this and i know this team will go on to make more stuff and i'm very i will play all of it right like i'm their day one for whatever they make um even you know i i said this before we before we played it but i was way more excited to be mad whichever way i differed from an actual leftist game than i would be to be excited about the small scraps of another game that i you know, just wasn't as invested in. Being mad yeah. at leftist art is, uh, it's just, you just don't get to do that in games. You don't get to be mad at the art you mostly agree yeah. with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't get to sit here and be like, man, they really botched the like gender because they tie in like rational politics to like toxic masculinity <laughs> in a way that I think is like really gross and old fashioned. Uh, because no game is even having those things in the first place to even link together. Right. It because we've mentioned out of worlds, and in that it's like, uh. You have to side with the corporation because aren't you kicking the people? Like, or uh, maybe the can, can you believe this lady is like using the people to fertilize her crops to feed her co- like corporate like her uh, community? What what are you gonna do? Just bury them in the dirt and leave them? Right, they were already dead. She wasn't killing anyone, <laughs> and that's meant to be the all oh, the leftists have gone too far. Like, and that's what it's up it released up against this, right? Like, these are these came yeah. out basically same week, and it could not be more video games. Um. So, like, when we complain about this game, which, you know, we do and will, we tear down anything we like. We're mad about Gundam all the time, but the ability... We're mad about Star Trek all the time. That's different. That actually does suck. Uh, Yeah, but we're mad about the good Star Trek all the time That's true. That's true. But, like, being able to be angry at a work you care about because there is some overlap of, like, earnest engagement with ideas that you're also invested in, I didn't realize still playing this how much that doesn't happen for me in games. Yeah, like, a large portion of abnormal mapping has been spent with, like, me especially, but Jackson's there too, like, going, why are we doing this? Like, what are we getting out of it? Like, I don't... I don't like most video games. I'm not interested in playing most of what comes out. Uh, like, we go back and play old stuff and we try to find interest there, but I'm not, like, enthused about games, and a large part of it is because... I like I've played every genre enough to know kind of what's in video games and nothing's saying anything. <laughs> so right. I'm not getting anything out of it other than I guess it's a good way to like twiddle my thumbs and spend hours, right? <laughs> I mean it's it's strange, right? Because like I 
that is more cyn- that sentence is more cynical about video games than I know you are. Even if the things yeah, you said are like, true on some. Yeah, level. but like also when you play a game like this, like like my feelings on this are like in a vacuum. If we just like assume it's a piece of work in a spectrum where there's a lot of work, is like this game's messy. I liked a little bit about it. I think like a large portions of its story, like especially in the end, don't are bad and don't work. And like I feel like you know if this is on Goodreads, this book gets like a three or four. If this is a video game, this is probably the best game I'm gonna play all year because it there's no other game that does this stuff. But and it just makes me wonder what we're wasting our time for playing video games sometimes when you can just go read a book. It takes five hours and it's got all this shit in it. Um, uh, so, so two points after i finished this and also after i watched uh, a movie that i will recommend um called the spy who went north uh which is a spy thing not a cop thing uh, after both of these things i went and uh, i started reading the john the car george smiley books i read cool for the dead i'm halfway through a murder of quality right now um and they're amazing like they're not these are all they're also getting four stars on goodread they're not like masterpieces but they're excellent they're giving me exactly what i want uh they are like 200 pages long um at least at the moment i assume they get longer as they go because authors um but they are not they are like i i prefer call of the dead to um disco elysium i think they're but but the fact that that is like in a conversation is what makes it interesting right is that they are both very well written and engage text but what i did for the other for one of them was just pay five bucks on the kindle store and download and a book that's been like out for 50 days. years and yeah read it in like three evenings yeah um um which is a, the video games problem or like you know and i don't mean to be cynical sitting here talking about video games are bad and can't produce artistic work because i know that's not true and you can go down itch and find interesting things but like the breadth of what's possible in games feels smaller than ever in the spaces that we cover. Cause like we could sit here and talk about 10 itchios a month, but like no one wants to listen to that. And we wouldn't, we would run out of things to say because there's only so many times you can be like, I liked walking through this abstract space and I appreciate doing those things, but there's not a lot of criticism I can apply to it more than like, is this one good or not? And why movement speed's good. It's it, like, you know, it's just not full of games with deep theme. It's an experimental game place to make small games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I think to this, I would like to pivot from this discussion and offer a, a different idea, which is that is the problem with games not that they are you know, incapable of themes, but because of the like what good game design is, capital letters, uh, the way to be interesting when criticizing them is usually a like a formalist analysis of how level design communicates information etc like it's like systems analysis right like that we can always do we can do that all day and we do on the games that support it in a way that i feel like disco elysium doesn't but there is a way like games will have that every day you will never run out of things to talk about if you are criticizing games from that perspective but yeah but also as someone who's been playing games for 30 years and we've been doing this podcast for seven and like I'm not interested in telling you that this platform got jumping right and this one got jumping wrong right. ever again. I don't think that's a good use of your time listening to this podcast. I think it's a good use of my time playing games once a month and coming in and talking for an hour or whatever. I could just get, I could just do a tweet. This platform bad. This platform good. <laughs> the, the thing I was going to say uh, was that that inevitably leads to someone saying the Nintendo games are good. <laughs> um, yeah. Because- I mean, the secret is the Nintendo games are good because they have the money and the time to hone the one thing they do to like a super like high polish. It's like a polished rock and it's not very interesting, but it looks nice on your shelf. And they, the Switch is full of Nintendo games that aren't very interesting and look nice on your shelf. Yes. Uh I definitely think that's like a weird part of game criticism, right? The uh, a lot of it 
because you are looking at systems in ways where the values are already determined um is looking at the games that have the time and the resources to iterate something to like a spit shine and being like that's it you should do that <laughs> like watching any nintendo gdc talk is hilarious <laughs> Yeah, they're like, oh, what if you just prototype a, a new version of Zelda that's like a maker version of Zelda, and you just make your game in that, and you can see what works and what's interesting in 2D before you translate it into a fully realized 3D open world? And just for two years. Just do that for two yeah. years. Yeah, just do that for two years. And it's like, great. Uh, so where does that leave, you know, podcasts like us? And Everyone we- else. <laughs> yeah. Like, sifting through games as a thing is... Uh, I feel okay with that. I think we're at a good place. We've got a good game we're talking about next month and the month after. We've got a good lineup and I'm enjoying doing them. But definitely realizing how rare this thing that we love is. Like, we love when a a work of media is about, like, literary or thematic ideas, right? Literary in the more abstract sense, not the, uh, like, tonal sense. Um, They're saying things about the world. And we want, a lot of the times from art, we want to see what its argument is and then make our own argument back. That is the conversation of criticism. Uh, games support that. In a, Games don't always support that. And seeing a yeah. game that supports it this much and realizing this much is about as much as a normal book uh, is definitely weird. Yeah. Uh uh, which yeah, like I wouldn't describe my uh, my viewpoint as like pe- like pessimistic. I don't know. It's re- like I feel like I am re- like uh, appraising the reality of games in a way that I feel like freed by because I just don't expect too much. Right. <laughs> and it makes it easier to do this show because I can come in and tell you like what I thought, and we can be earnest and even have a formal conversation, have a critical what like you know more like thematically critical one. Um, but at the end of the day, like if I want to like feel something i'm not gonna play a video game and that's just the reality of it yeah i feel like um, and that might not be true for everyone uh like i i, I we have plenty of friends and we have plenty of listeners of this podcast who just fucking love video games and i i wish i could be you <laughs> i really do because it was me for a long time and it's just not anymore uh i i still like video games um i feel like what's happened for uh, me i'm look when we're done today i'm gonna go and i'm <laughs> gonna play a chapter of fire emblem and i'm gonna build some stuff in animal crossing and i'm gonna have a good time but neither of those are like filling a need when i want like art when i want to like feel something and like experience something that like means something to me that's not it that's not what i'm looking for right uh i feel like for me the thing i've done is more like accepted the things i want from video games and the way they are like shallow but worthwhile right like when i go to play some rpgs i am doing them because i acknowledge within myself that i want to make the numbers go up and hit things i will have a nice story told to me but i'm not like i feel like in 2016 i would be searching for like the you know when i did all those fucking metal gear letters yeah like i'm just not yeah no like i i play video games in the same way i build gunpla like it's a nice thing to do with my afternoon um the idea of writing eighty thousand words about metal gear now which i did in 2016 or 2015 i guess it was uh is ludicrous why did i do that with my summer what i did like i could read i could watch any movie he stole them all from movies (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've I've watched the movies now they're better uh so now that we're like deeply in the navel gazing uh tail end of this yes um i think disco elysium is a game that absolutely everyone who isn't like ob- objecting to the content because sometimes the content can be a little harsh should play i think it's great yes. uh, i have a lot of caveats with that but there's nothing else like it in games and that's worth its own weight in gold honestly yes um i would um, also say like 
it made me not wistful but you know the things it is good at right are the things that tabletop is good at because it has done the writing to simulate uh, the uh, experience of playing a tabletop game in a way that most rpgs just don't do because well it's weird because like that is true because we listen to friends at the table right that's the thing i was building the, re- the reality is is that like I don't want to sit down for five hours and fight skeletons with people. I want to like play a game for an hour a day where like a story is being unfolded to me, where every event is like the end of a, like every event is monumental and there's no like fluff because like this, this style of game is like almost antithetical to fluff because it costs too much to produce because you have right. to write custom text for it it it's very easy to populate enemies it is very hard to write a situation in which you encounter a skeleton and have to engage with it right yes i mean that's the thing i was building to right is that like while it is the peak of what tabletop systems are good at and you know we listen to friends at the table and get to secondhand experience that i don't play tabletop in that way i don't i have i've played a couple tabletop games in my life but i don't have like a group of people who are willing to spend the labor and time to also create a world this rich which yeah you would need to experience a tabletop game on this level yeah and and it's not like i couldn't find that if i want like i personally don't value waste like spending i was gonna say waste (laughs) which is rude Rude. i don't personally value spending that much time because i know the time commitment that my friends who play tabletop put into their games Mm -hmm. i don't have it in me i have too many podcasts and when i'm not doing podcasts i don't want to interact with people i want to sit and watch a movie or read a book yes um but it it just uh, yeah i just feel like it lays uh just, just makes clear how much work it takes to <laughs> make any kind of story. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Disco Elysium, with all of the caveats and all the negativity surrounding the ex- like our takeaways, is very good. I think people should play it <laughs> <Yeah>. a lot. <laughs> I had a fantastic time. Um, I just destroyed the game. Like I played through it in like five days. I, I took a, Yeah, I took you a break. really burned through it. Well, uh, I took a lot longer. Um, <laughs> just because my life is, you know, I'm a little busier and things are rough, you know. Um, the thing... But, um, Oh, go ahead. The thing I actually did that uh, got me from an hour a day to like six hours a day uh, was I turned on playing it on a controller through the Steam interface and sat on my couch. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't I don't play games that way either way. So because being hunched over a keyboard is not a great way to play this. Uh, they they're going to port it to consoles next year. Um, hopefully they patch in actual console controls and not just weird using a controller to control the mouse. Uh, but it was there's very little that you'd have to like it seems like an easy way to do so it's really easy Um, yeah because there's no like dexterous like point and click combat right like it's all fine yeah Uh, but yeah no i also i also like really enjoyed my time and it's a game uh i like you know it'll probably be on my top 10 list at the end of the year uh and a lot of the problems i have it is nice to have that level of problem with a game It's time for questions. If you would like to send us questions about the games we're covering for Game Club or anything, really, you can go to podcast at abnormalmapping.com, send the email. Uh, 
you know, if it's about if it's about the game club, maybe be a little kind with spoilers right at the front because we do get the emails kind of before we finish the games. Um, and our next game, actually, you know, I'm going to do this right now. Our next game, we are going to do Kentucky Route Zero. We are instead going to play Halo, Halo 1. Uh, because we need to get away from story games for a little bit. For my sake, I requested this. Um, yes. And it's out on PC now. So we're going to do Halo. Phil finally pulled through for us, thank God. Um, but we're going to do that in like two weeks. So if you want emails about Halo, you need to send emails about Halo immediately. Yes, I will um, tweet out some reminders. But yes, that's Halo that. 1. Uh, we'll do the week, we'll do the, like, the week of, like, oh, we're going to record. And the episode won't come out till the end of April. But we, we're going to do it immediately because we, we want some extra time. Maybe take a week off and then like start working on Category Zero. Yes. So. Um, anyway, we have emails about just going for, uh, Elysium. <laughs> I was almost at Inferno because this first email. Do you want to read Briar's email, Jackson? Uh, Briar, you did it. You did it. Oh, that was good. Uh, Briar uh, asks... Um, <laughs> Brian here with an email that is direct to the point and not even slightly meandering. I have questions. Thank you very much for being so direct. One, did either of you end up bringing Kuna to the island instead of Kim? No. No. I, unimaginable to me. I know some people did that and they found it like really cool, but no, absolutely not. Could I, I need to watch someone play through that because I'm really interested in what that even looks like. I know the one big difference is you can't get a photo of the Phasmid. I didn't get a photo of the thing either way. Anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yep. Uh... So yeah, just, just didn't see that. Um, I did. I, <laughs> I do want to pr quickly branch off that to say that the the constant like Kuna could be a cop one day uh, is like no, he will not. I'm not making anyone a cop. That's not a good thing. Stop asking me to do that. <laughs> yeah, Kuno could be a Hardy Boy one day. And there's a bit like right at the end of the Hardy Boys where you you can go up to Titus and be like, hey, you'd make a good cop. And I refused to pick that. I was refuse. like, good job. Because, like, why would you pick that? The actual answer is that you should quit the cops and join the Hardy Boys or the Hardy you know, Boys. whatever. Maybe there's a, like, union kind of enforcement system in, you know, community system in wherever it is you live in Sherbrooke. Yeah. Uh, but you shouldn't be bringing people into the, like, bad states. Yes. Uh, even if yeah, the game separates what it means to be a, like, a community enforcer and an agent of the state. And tying those things in with Kuno and the Hardy Boys is frustrating sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, two, how did you feel about the actual mechanical systems of the game? Uh, failing checks felt really bad to me. I missed all the stuff setting up the club in my first playthrough because I just couldn't get the fridge to open to get the computer thing. Um, this is a good time to answer. How much did you save, Scum? Um, not a ton, but like, there's probably like six choices in the game that I definitely saved Scum to yes. make sure I could do. Um, which I feels like a low number given my net natural predilection to try to like squeeze the content out of games, especially when we're playing them for club. Um, and, um, I think the thing is, I think the like retry white checks are really good. And I think a lot of the passive stuff is good. The game, and this is just a problem with the game design in general, that when, when the check is necessary to get the quest to progress, I think that is bad. Mm -hmm. I think that stuff is like, there's no way to make that feel good because it doesn't spin off into like a different resolution. If you can't get that fridge open, you just can't get the fridge open. Nothing's going to like change that. Right. Uh, yeah, so I definitely, like, at the start of the game, I was never safe scumming, and I was always fine, um, because, you know, there were always other options, and most of the quests are designed with multiple paths, uh, but sometimes those paths are punch a guy or learn racism. <laughs> yes. Um, and in that case, I'm I'm going to punch the guy, I'm not learning racism. 
Yeah. Um, I didn't realize there was also like another ladder you could technically get up there because I, you know, that was a, in a different, an unrelated quest to get that door open that I never knew would happen. I hadn't, I hadn't gone up there yet. Right. I went and did the thing with Everard immediately. So yeah, I just punched the guy. <laughs> uh, so stuff like that. Oh, hang on. Sorry. Just uh, got caught on my chair. Bit of a weird noise. Uh, so stuff like that is definitely like, I, as the game went on, if there was something I knew I wanted to see, I would make sure I passed the check. Um, yeah. But I do think that, on the whole, I was more amenable to to failure in a way that is... Like, it's hard to do in video games. If you're a tabletop yeah. DM, you just change the story. You can do that on the fly if you're good, you know. Um, but the game has to have written everything down beforehand. And sometimes the failure is interesting, and sometimes it really does just feel awful. Yes. When it comes to these kind of games, are either of you uh, the kind to save and oh, return things? Yes, we did this one. The, the same yeah. part two of the same question. Four. What was your end game outfit? Some unholy monstrosity of stats. So my end game outfit that I I actually would switch this outfit when I wasn't trying to goose my stats because I liked it so much Good. is the ceramic like mercenary armor boots chest or, or yeah boots chest and gloves uh, the kimono uh, like some round Harry Potter glasses a yellow knit stocking cap and the giant multi tool that looks like a cool cyber sword. <laughs> Good. Uh, which just made him look ridiculous. And then what happened was when I went to the when I went back to meet my partner at the very end of the game, he's like, "You think you're fine? Look at you! You're decked out in cyber armor." Good, <laughs> good, good, good. And he was right. I was decked out in cyber armor. <laughs> yeah. uh, question five: How'd you feel about the skill system? Um, we talked about that. We think it's cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, I think there's, like, probably too few, like, a few too many options for me, personally. Like, I don't need, like, the fine distinctions between a lot of, like, visual calculus and, I don't know, like, hand-eye coordination or something. Like, I feel like I could, I would really like a version, and, like, smaller games could do a version of this with, like, there's, like, five stats. And the game is, like, four hours long instead of 16 to 25. Mm -hmm. uh, I think my end time was, like, 16 hours on this, so... Oh uh, yeah. Um uh, uh and I think that'd be fine, but like I do like the way the stats interact with your options and like there are passive checks that just happen. There are hidden passive checks you won't even see cuz you don't have the stats to get them and then there's like the hard rolls and critical successes and that stuff's really good. Yep. Um I mostly liked it though. I definitely like there are bits where like some of the passive checks are so good. Okay. It is rude. Because And they did this on purpose because they know who plays these games that they put shivers in physical. And I get it. I get why. But then I, I only had like a five in shivers by the end of the game because I couldn't, you know, I was maxed out. I couldn't do any more. Um, yeah, shivers, is, shivers, shivers in Inland Empire are the best skills. Just straight up. Right. And like, it's fine because the game like spreads these out on purpose. Like they have different things and different thing in different like areas and you will get certain checks and you know, everyone, no matter their build is going to get certain checks, but I guarantee you most people in this game put points into, uh, into either like, um, either the two mind skills, right? Like, yeah, um, that's what I did. That's what I, yes. I was like four, four, two, two or whatever. Right. Because it's a game about talking, and the people who come to RPGs are always going to try to put points in dialogue stuff, because why wouldn't you? Uh, otherwise, I'd play an action game. <laughs> um, and so I understand why 
shivers is in physical because you have to give everything meaning but it, there was definitely a point where because of the sheer amount of skills and the way the skills work i felt locked out of some of the coolest shit in the game because yeah. i had built a certain way and i don't think you can avoid that i think that's just inherent to these kind of rpgs yeah uh last question um what was the biggest surprise the game had for you uh probably the part where you set up a nightclub in a church and then find a hole in the universe yes. we didn't really talk about it because the waypoint episode covers it but it's a good side quest yes understandably it is they spend an hour losing their mind over that quest and we will not repeat but agreed <laughs> yes um, uh, you should definitely set up the club. You should definitely not set up the drug lab. I feel very strongly about this. If you set up the drug lab, just let me like send me a message on Twitter or write in. Let me know what that looks like because I haven't done it and I couldn't imagine doing it. But I'd like to know what it looks like. Yes. Um, <laughs> I feel like I mentioned my favorite moments and surprises in the game in the pod in the podcast. I do want to point out. Uh, I guess one of my favorite lines as like uh, cop references um, is a bit where you are solving where the bullet came from yes uh and you go through that and it takes a while and you like work out where it's come from using the visual calculus and you figure it out from the island and the option you get to pick when you work out where the bullet came from is just you press one motherfucker and that is I've yes the wire. i definitely picked that one Are you kidding me i was so happy to pick that one i was like yes we've all seen the show this is a good mo- yeah. sometimes references are good ready player one <laughs> uh yeah so that that got me i'm not immune to when someone reminds me of the scene it's the same thing they did that in that scene it's good they got me uh would you like to do um the next email yeah so we've got one from casters this is a mechanical question as casters was only on day three uh did the inclusion of automatic successes and automatic failures affect your play through the game for me i got a critical success on the check to find the real cause of death for the victim on the first day during the autopsy which i had a very small chance of passing to me i felt like i had a lot more information before many others did going into the second day also inland empire is the best skill <laughs> true. that's true uh i also got a critical success on that on that uh on that one there was a couple of throughout the game i feel like i got more automatic successes than i did automatic failures they've definitely uh, juked the numbers slightly yeah um but there have definitely been moments where the the dice was low and i got a double six and it felt incredible yeah for sure um the one that i was uh that i got the double sixes on that i was really happy about because the check was really low and i didn't want to spend a bunch of time redoing it was asking uh the lady for the paint to paint the mural Yes, because I had offended her, so my my chances are really low. It was like a, it was like a seventeen percent. I was like, I'm gonna just try to do this fucking double sixes. Give how'd me you, that paint. How'd you offend her? Um, I don't. I think I I think I like criticized. I was like, oh, you live in that in that room in the back, and it sucks, right? And she was mad about that. She's cool. Yeah, she is cool. I didn't mean to make her mad. <laughs> it's a real Harry thing to do. <laughs> yes <laughs> every time i meet someone mad it was mostly not on purpose so uh, that's true in real life <laughs> except for that guy i threw a molotov on i really meant to make him mad and then make him dead and i did both so i felt pretty good about that um uh, we have one more email and then we have one yeah. more thing we haven't act- we have a scene we haven't talked about <laughs> uh one email from bob uh two questions one what did you feel about the ending we covered that already. We covered right. that. And uh, two, what's your favorite uh, Kim K moment? Um, I, what my fa- They're so good. They're all so good. I think it's got to be sitting uh, together on the swing. For me. Um, 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think it's when, right before you go in to tell the woman that her husband's dead, the yes. way he like coaches you, like, here, this is what you got to do. You go in your business, you tell her the facts, you, you try to help her out, but you don't mess around because this is important. You cannot fuck this up. And I was like, no, I cannot fuck this up. <laughs> yep. Uh, all that stuff is amazing. Well, uh, the one thing we haven't mentioned is this is a scene we said we would talk about but didn't, uh, which is covered crucially in the Waypoint podcast, but I do want to uh, back around and talk about uh, the Sunday Friend. We have not oh, right. mentioned Fucking the IMF, IMF agent. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so in the real yes. world, <laughs> the IMF, yeah. uh, uh, the International Monetary Fund. The Impossible Fund, Mission Force. We did this on another podcast. <laughs> I know. For an unrelated thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know. But the IMF are the like uh, arm of the UN and the World Bank. I don't know the exact delineation, but they function as an imperial uh, force for ensuring monetary like purgatory for as many developing states as possible when yes. they need. Ba- uh, on 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 the face of it, they give loans to developing countries. Those yes. loans often come with contingencies that require you to like open yourself up to exploitation by Western and by that I mean American and European companies, and also that you like don't spend on things like improving the lives of your citizens and making sure that your like water and ground is not poison yes it is a a fundamental system built to like ensure developing nations remain capitalist and open to the exploitation by uh like uh, awful corporations Um, yes and specifically like if there's any they will like immediately trample on any laws around like foreign investment like if you say we are keeping investment inside the country so that things are owned by the locals that is not not second you ask for a loan that ain't happening anymore right you are opened up for america to loot you um yeah and so in this game you meet a character called the sunday friend who basically works for the imf uh it you know he is an agent of um the like international consortium uh the manages uh revishol mm-hmm. um and basically talks to you about his moralist views and this form of centrism and speaks so matter-of-factly about the ways in which like he isn't hiding the fact that uh he is keeping all of these countries and revishol and you know anywhere else in this world uh in this kind of awful state of never being allowed to be recognized as a real country it's always like oh the process has moved forward right like uh we can move forward in this process and then you can make steps towards uh, international cooperation like just every language that we've heard around any international conflict on the news ever that never changes the way mm-hmm. like every kind of you know not to do with the imf but uh the language around um palestine is often presented the same way as like oh peace talks progress and you know has been for 70 years even though it's it's just a fucking colony it's an evil colony it's not a black it's not a complicated situation uh and the way in which this guy is just a perfect expression of that kind of person i don't think the game in any other moment has this like pure unadulterated contempt for one of its characters yeah, no, this guy is literally the worst character in the game. In that, I mean, he is the most evil person that can exist. There's like a billionaire that bends light around him. He's so rich. And that guy is not as evil as this motherfucker in this room. Yeah, like most everyone else like sucks, but they're su- the way they suck is afforded empathy and alienation from a system that has let them down. This guy is, uh, his hand is on the trigger. Like he is the worst. And it's it's an amazing scene. 
Yes. Because <laughs> it also just comes with, like, Harry bumbling in to question a guy that he might think is, like, too hot to be a normal cop around. Like, his 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 faculties might insist that Clausio uh, is so hot that he can't be a normal cop. But he just gets bowled over by this guy smoking outside his apartment. He's just too hot to live. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then you go inside and you find his lover, who's this fucking IMF agent. And this guy is so terrible. <laughs> And he secretly comes to the slums to, you know, hook up with interesting guys before yep. destroying their countries. Uh, no, he's into them because he's destroyed their countries. One yes. stems from the yes, other. No, yes, no, yes, yes. <laughs> it is all connected. Yep. This guy is so awful. And I didn't want to end the podcast without mentioning how much he sucks. Yeah. That's it. We did it. Disco Elysium in the can. Podcast we were like, done. this is going to be an hour. It was two. <laughs> two hours. That was 20 minutes of talking about bullshit at the start. Uh, I asked her for one hair on her golden head. She gave me three. <laughs> God damn it. Ending this podcast. <laughs> With a Lord of the Rings quote. Look, we're just living our lives out here. Jackson, where can people find you? People can find me at headfullsoff on twitter.com. There are tweets there. They are cool. Uh, you know, if you like them, you can follow me. Uh, you can find the podcast we do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, we are doing repertory screenings this month on coming up a new episode on Stalker. Uh, the yeah, I'm really movie, excited for that. Which is long, but I'm ready for it. I can't wait to watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you enjoyed this episode, maybe check out that podcast. It is. I'm very proud of it. I like talking about movies. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. Uh, you can support all the podcasts we do at patreon.com slash normapping for $1 a month. You get the Great Gundam Project. Me and Jackson talk about G Gundam, which is rapidly finishing up, and Ghost Shell Standalone Complex. We're about to start Gundam Wing and Space Runway Ideon. Oh, which I hope are going to yeah, be good. Yeah, we are. Yep. Um, for $5, you get writing for me and Jackson every two weeks. I uh, for ten dollars, you get VoIP Life, which is me and Jackson doing like a goofy podcast about random stuff. If you just want us like hanging out and talking about shit. If you want thoughts about Final Fantasy VII remakes uh, that are just like more casual, there's not formal criticism. It's just me and Jackson shooting the shit on mics. Uh, that podcast is there for you. Uh, for twenty dollars, you can get you know be on a make, direct a show, do a beach house, which is where we talk about anime. People told us to watch our episode on Dirty Pair is going to come out. Uh, probably like yesterday <laughs> or, or th- this week, the week this episode goes up. Uh, we'll figure it out. I so. intend for that to have come out on Monday. Okay, then yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, you can hang out in our Discord, talk about games and anime and whatever. You can find that link on the website, emeraldmapping.com. Uh, Next month, Halo. We'll Halo! probably just cover single player stuff because I'm not going to go and play a bunch of multiplayer. But if you have questions about that, ask Jackson. Jackson's been playing Halo for a long time. So feel free to, like, ask questions. Just know that I'm not going to be playing, like, you know, the multiplayer. Me and Jackson are going to play through the story co-op, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Please keep your questions to Halo 1. Uh, we will not be, like, formally yes. covering them as Game Club games. But we will be playing Halo 2 and 3 as they come out. Um, yeah, they will not be full episodes, but we are going to play all of Halo Co-op in order they were released, because it's abnormal mapping, and you know how we work by now. And we will talk about them, you know, in the episode after we've done that. Yes. So if there's any, like, wider plot questions about all the stuff that is introduced later, uh, just hang off on those. Uh, I don't even know what the Arbiter is. Exactly. No, that's true. I do know what the Arbiter is, but... What do you think the Arbiter is? I don't know much more than that. What's the Arbiter? I mean, it's Keith David as an alien. Okay, you don't know what the Arbiter is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what he is. I mean, yes, that is not incorrect, but I assumed you would have, like, known what he represents to the plot. No. No, no, no. No. See? So don't write in. They'll see it later. Um, 
but do ask about Halo 1 stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Everyone go home, play a video game. I mean, I guess you're already home. No one can leave their home. <laughs> right. So while you're there, you should play a video game. Join me in reading these Lacar books. They fucking rule. <laughs>